the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. This is the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. In my experience with Mo and Mr. DeWitt, I think there might be some kind of uh, roster move or, or moves coming still that, that the fans will get excited about. Ground ball, diving stop, Nolan will get one on the first double play. How about that third baseman? Yeah. Oh, oh, my. Wow. oh my. Out at second. How did Nolan do that one? That looked like it was out of Cirque du Soleil. Nice pick up by Arenado. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's pulled. Oh, Arenado to first. Got him. What a play. Big chopper to third, tough play, Arenado, bare hand, got his man. Oh, what a play again by Nolan Arenado. But I, I think there's some some things that, you know, they might be thinking about or trying to pull off that would make people pretty happy. We'll see. Well, yeah, there have been some pretty good things that the, the Cardinals have been considering. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN at 702. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. You heard from Matt Holiday. You heard from Adam Wainwright. It's always a good weekend, Michelle, when your baseball team picks up a future Hall of Famer. Can you believe it? Because it's still registering for me. I'm still processing this information that we got on Friday. I am too, and that's why I keep saying reportedly, because I just wait for the, the bad shoe to drop, but I don't think that's going to happen. I, I've thought about it from every angle. I can't imagine a scenario in which this trade, the Cardinals acquiring Nolan Arenado from Colorado for uh, Austin Gomber and several other players, can't imagine a scenario, a scenario in which it wouldn't go through, and Cardinal Nation is buzzing, have been all weekend. Everybody's talking about it, and everybody's really excited, and for all of the disdain that we showed for the, the, the Cardinals' lack of aggressiveness and lack of willing to spend this offseason, it all went out the door in about 20 seconds as we read our phones on Friday night. John Mozalek has been very honest with us throughout mm-hmm. this entire process. We were just reading the wrong tea leaves. When he said we want to evaluate our talent and make sure we don't have another Randy Rosarena going out the door, we thought that meant we're going to sit still and spend a whole season evaluating them. It turns out they're looking at prospects for a deal. When he said be patient, we thought that meant an entire season of inactivity. <laughs> and he just meant wait for a move that's coming. When he said December is going to be the new January, we thought maybe a supplemental piece for the outfield. No, no, he was talking about the white whale, Nolan Arenado, the guy that Cardinal Nation has been dreaming about for years now. 29 years old, each of his eight years in the major leagues, he has been a gold glover. He's a five-time All-Star. He's regarded as, if not the one of the three or four best defensive third basemen of all time. He's there with Roland Mike Schmidt and Brooks Robinson. 
and he can hit. And the Cardinals hope, and we all hope, that he winds up hitting like Matt Holliday did for the Cardinals when he left Coors Field. But when you listen to evaluators, they all seem to believe that he will have no trouble. And Michelle, the other notable thing, and we're going to talk to Greg Amzinger later in this hour, we're going to talk to Joe Buck coming up at 930 People that have met and know Nolan Arenado say that he is as good a person as there is in sports, not just in Major League Baseball, but in all the sports. I read a ton about him over the past few days, Randy, and this seems just like when Paul Goldschmidt came to St. Louis, where people that knew him said, this is the perfect Cardinal. He is going Mm -hmm. to be exactly what St. Louis wants out of a St. Louis Cardinal. Nolan Arenado fits that same mold. This is a person that loves baseball, that takes his job very seriously, and he wants to win. He wants to win. And I think he and Goldie having that relationship, and both of them came here for the same reason, and that's to win. Yeah, and beyond loving winning, they both hate losing. Apparently, he takes losing very, very poorly, which is good. One other quick anecdote, and I shared this online on Twitter and at a piece I wrote at 101ESPN.com, but I think it's notable. Two years ago, I have a nephew that got traded to the Rockies organization from the Yankees. And he didn't know anybody in the Rockies organization, so he made it a point to get in. He would look at his phone, find out when sunrise was in the morning, and get in the door at the Rockies facility in Scottsdale at sunrise every morning. And every single morning when he got there, he was the second person there. Nolan Arenado had just signed his new eight-year, $260 million contract, and he was out on the field by the time my nephew Jordan got to the ballpark. And he was either working on defense or throwing or, or hitting in the cage. He was doing something to improve his game. He was the first guy there, even though he had just signed the biggest contract in the history of the franchise. First guy in, last guy out? Yeah. He's a relentless worker, and that's what the Cardinals... When they evaluated Matt Holiday, that's what they found out about him, is that he's the hardest working guy on the team. When you have your best players that are the hardest working, when you have Holiday, Roland, and and Albert, or when you have a situation like this where Goldschmidt and Arenado are your hardest working guys, it's a really good thing. It's going to be a competition between Yadier Molina, if he comes back to the Cardinals, Adam Wainwright, Paul Goldschmidt. We know Matt Carpenter's in the mix there, and now Nolan Arenado. There's so many guys on this Cardinal team that are known for their work ethic. So... That's going to be great, and what a great example that they're going to set for some of these young players coming in, like a Dylan Carlson. We want your reaction throughout the morning and throughout the day here on 101 ESPN. Use the mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app. In 30 seconds, tell us what you're thinking right now about the Cardinals and this deal. You can also text us. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Reaction from the Cardinal shortstop, Paul DeYoung. It's so important to have that kind of formula as an offense, I think, or working off each other. I think when we're all working together, we're pretty unstoppable. We know we have good defense and good pitching, and we, we play the game right. It's just getting those big hits, I think. And uh, having a guy like Arenado now in the middle of our lineup is going to completely change the way pitchers look at us, and it's going to free up the rest of our lineup. So, you know, I really think it's just what we were missing is that another veteran-type um you know, run producer in the middle of the order, and that's exactly what Arenado is. And I think that's just going to make everybody in our lineup better. It'll free up Goldie. It'll free up me and Tommy. And, uh, you know, we still got the veterans like Yachty and Dex out there. We know what we can get from them. You know, we still have, you know, vet like Harp on the bench, a left-handed bat or, or you know, mixing around positions. So, no, I just like the way that this is going to add some, some more dynamic, uh, you know, power in the middle of our lineup that will kind of tailor to our speed guys, outfield, and, uh, you know, just our vets overall. And, Michelle, DeYoung talked about the length of the lineup. 
if I were to set it up right now, I would have Edmund leading off, mm-hmm. Carlson hitting second, Goldschmidt hitting third, Arenado fourth, DeYoung fifth. Either you got a platoon here in right field or left field. O'Neill or Fowler hitting sixth. There's your platoon. Yachty hitting seventh, Bader hitting eighth. Isn't it incredible how different we feel about the, the Cardinals yeah. offense just because of this move? Exactly what Paul DeYoung said, exactly what you just highlighted. This is bringing an entire new wrinkle to their offense. It makes everyone around them, Nolan Arenado makes everyone around him more dynamic. And certain guys, especially a Paul DeYoung, is asked to do something different and something I think he's really capable of doing, which is to hit a little bit lower in the lineup. Think about what that's going to do for him. As he said, get him different looks. It frees up Goldie. This is huge for the Cardinals from an offensive standpoint. It's kind of like the Edmonds deal. When the Cardinals made the deal for Jim Edmonds in 2000, Man, 21 years ago now. Wow. They needed an outfielder that hit in the middle of the lineup. Jim Leland said, look, you need an outfielder that, that can hit for power. And they went out and they found that guy at a good price. And that's what they've done here. They filled a need defensively, with all due respect to uh, what Matt Carpenter's done at third. You get the best guy ever almost who can hit in the middle of your lineup. It's exactly what the doctor ordered. Can we just give a little shout-out to John Mozeliak, too? Big time. Big time shout-out for Mo. I tweeted this over the weekend, but it's almost as if we were praising Doug Armstrong so much that Mm -hmm. Mo said, hold my beer. You know, (laughs) remember, I can do this, too. But he had this up his sleeve for a long time. Again, shades of the Goldie deal, where this was someone they had circled in their evaluations for years, and they did not give up on this. And he was able to make this deal with the Rockies sending $50 million towards the contract. And you're not giving up any of your, your top prospects. You still have Gorman, Libertor, and Carlson in your organization, and you're able to acquire Nolan Arenado. Congra- and $50 million. And $50 million. <laughs> so congratulations to the Cardinals front office, the ownership group, John Mozalek, for being relentless and figuring out a way to get this deal done that I think anyone in St. Louis can look at this, even with the opt-outs, and say this was a job well done by them. I wonder if at the end of the season, early November, Mo went to Breidich, Jeff Breidich, the GM of the Rockies, and said, hey, any chance I could trade for Nolan Arenado and Right, I said, no, nah, we are moving him. And so a couple of weeks ago, Mo says, hey, could I get Nolan Arenado in $50 million? And Brad just said, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Clear on sale. <laughs> it is. It, it reminds me, though, shades of Deshaun Watson in Houston, where he signed the deal. He wanted to win. Things got very contentious with, with the organization in the front office, and he knew that he had to force his way out. And so he made it public that he wanted out. We should probably also send a basket of cookies or a fruit basket or something to Matt Holiday, yeah. who we know had a role in this because he's close with Nolan Arenado and constantly told him what it would be like for him to play in St. Louis. But if you're the Rockies and you know Trevor Story is coming up and you you are looking at this person who you're paying all of this money to that doesn't want to be there, what are you going to do? Yeah, it's, you know, and he's got all the power. All, all the, the power. power. He's got yeah. all the power. Yeah. So, so it seems you, like you do what he wants. the Cardinals having prospects and wanting to absorb the kind. It seemed like they were yeah. the perfect dance partner. And interestingly... That's the exact same way they got Roland because Roland wouldn't go anywhere else either when they got him in 2002. Wow. We should note that the Blues won their third in a row last night. They beat the Ducks for the second time, 6-1 to one on Saturday night, 4-1 to one last night. Jakob Silverberg scoring in the first for the Ducks. The Blues coming back in the second. Braden Shem with a brilliant goal at the 10-13 mark. And then at 14-59, the Blues went ahead for good. Blaze stole it. First pass is blocked. Second one returned into the corner. Thomas centers. Blaze shoots. He scores. 
Hoffman was in front. The puck came through him to Sammy Blay, and he goes high blocker on Gibson. The Blues have taken a 2-1 lead with 5-0-1 to play in the second period. In the third, Shen scored again. Pareko also tallied, and the Blues win it by a score of 4-1, to and they're now tied for first, actually technically in first, in the Honda West Division. What's going on? St. Louis is on fire right now. I-L-L-I-N-I-M-I-Z-Z-O-U. That's right. Huge, huge weekend for St. Louis sports, but great to see the Blues finally get back-to-back wins to break that trend that they were seeing there, and a lot of things to pull out of that, but congratulations to Billy Huso on his first NHL victory. I texted somebody last night. I said, man, I feel a whole lot better about him than I did an hour and a half ago. That's true. When that first goal went in, I think a lot of us were slumping our shoulders a little bit thinking, oh boy, is this going to take a while for him to get up to speed, even though it was a a tough goal. But no, he absolutely bounced back and had a great performance the rest of the game. And the Blues will have 1,400 fans in the stands tomorrow night as they host the Arizona Coyotes for the first time this year. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Our friend ESPN's Tim Kirkchen will review the Nolan Arenado deal next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. It is Carricker and Smallman, and obviously St. Louis buzzing over the trade that the Cardinals are going to make for Nolan Arenado, not finalized yet. Let's go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line, and our friend Tim Kirkchen from ESPN joins us. Tim, great to have you with us in St. Louis. Good morning. How are you doing? Uh, I'm well. I'm cold, but everything else is good. Well, it's... It's cold here in St. Louis, too, Tim, but things are hot at third base for the St. Louis Cardinals with Nolan Arenado. We knew in St. Louis that the Rockies and the Cardinals had been doing this dance for a while, but can you really shed some light on how long the Cardinals have been interested in Arenado and how long it took this deal to get done? Well, I think the initial interest has been well over a year, and in my understanding that it's taken quite a back and forth here over the last few months. So they've really been working at this, which they have to when that kind of money is involved and opts out and additional opts out and trade requ- uh, trade uh, provisions and everything else. And, of course, you've got a, a player of this magnitude going from one place to another in theory. So that's why I think it just took so long is there are a lot of moving parts that need to MLB approval. It's not just some simple one-for-one trade. Uh, There was nothing simple about this, which is why it's taken this long. Tim, when you look at everything that you just mentioned, can you envision a scenario in which either the union or Major League Baseball wouldn't approve this? Well, anything's possible, especially when the union and MLB aren't exactly on the same page, although I don't think that applies here. I I think they've worked so hard at this. It's my understanding that it's going to get done, but we should never, ever, ever be shocked by anything that happens these days. But when you get to this point, um, the the deal is usually done. John Moselock especially is very thorough about these things and this would have never gotten this far if there was a big chance it was going to fall apart. So my guess is it's not. Tim, what type of player are the Cardinals getting in Nolan Arenado? From what we see on the field and to what a fit he'd be in the clubhouse, what type of player are the Cardinals receiving here? Well, after Brooks Robinson, 
he's the greatest defensive third baseman I've ever seen. Nobody has ever won that many gold gloves in his first eight seasons like Nolan Arenado has. Uh, Michael Kadire told me years ago when Michael Kadire joined the Rockies, he told me, uh, Arenado, in my first three months here, made the five greatest plays I've ever seen a third baseman make. In three months, the five greatest I've ever seen. That's how good he is. But more important than that, he's the guy I was told by one of their coaches in A at Tulsa. He would beg to take ground balls every day. And finally, one of the coaches said, Nolan, we're not taking extra ground balls today. It's 108 degrees today in Tulsa. And Nolan said, please, just 10 minutes, please. That's who he is. That's how, how important it is for him to be a great defensive third baseman. He's also a wildly productive offensive player. Look at the homers the last six years. Look at the RBIs the last six years. I mean, almost nobody has those two numbers, but he does. And even though the numbers at Coors are clearly better than on the road, which they always are seemingly with Coors and the road, I don't think there's anything to worry about. I think he'll be a wildly productive offensive player in St. Louis also. ESPN's Tim Kirkjian with us on Character and Smallman. And Tim, we kind of got spoiled here in St. Louis when we had Roland and, and Albert at the corners but this pair with Arenado and Goldschmidt is right there with those two, aren't they, defensively? Yeah, I, I've got Roland, again, very unscientific poll. Roland's the third greatest third baseman I've ever seen after Brooks Robinson and Nolan Arenado. So people in St. Louis know exactly what great defensive third base looks like. But this guy is so, so good. And Paul Goldschmidt, I love Albert. Let's not, let's not misunderstand anything. Goldschmidt is better defensively than Albert was at first base, even though Albert was really good. So uh, you're not going to find a better corner infielders better defensively than Goldschmidt and Arenado. And that's going to pull that whole infield together. And once they figure out what to do at second base, they potentially could have one of the best defensive infields in the league. Tim, we know that this move makes the Cardinals the favorite in the NL Central, but in your opinion, does it make them World Series contenders? Uh, the Dodgers are better than the Cardinals with or without Arenado, and I think the Padres are too. However, the Cardinals just took an enormous step forward in their division, and it's the old cliche, once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. Uh, so I don't think the Cardinals are the best team in the National League, but I think they're the best team in the Central once this trade goes through, and that's the most important thing. Now, it depends where they go from here, how much you get the production they get from those young outfielders. Do they make another move? Uh, how is their starting pitching going to be? Is it going to be as good, better than last year? Uh, a lot of questions still to be answered, but at least the Cardinals put themselves in the conversation with the Padres and more important, the Dodgers, which I don't think they were in the conversation without getting Nolan Arenado. And Tim, I just went down the lineup with Michelle and it'll be Edmund at second and he'll probably lead off. So you probably, I would think, have Edmund Carlson. Hopefully he's what they expect him to be. Goldie uh, and then Arenado, DeYoung hitting fifth. Probably a platoon with O'Neill and Fowler in right, Yachty hitting seventh, and then Harrison Bader hitting eighth. So there are there are question marks in there, but the lot, lineup just feels a lot different with a guy like Arenado in the middle of it. Oh, well, it feels completely different because now you have two middle-of-the-order hooters in Goldschmidt and Arenado 
who are going to drive in 100 runs if they stay healthy, and they're going to have to build around them. And as we said, you know, you know, Carlson's going to have to be really come around. Fowler's going to have to get better. A lot of things are going to have to happen for this offensive team. But with the way they pitch and with getting their bullpen, some guys healthy back uh, and getting Wayne right back and maybe getting Yadier Molina back, um, you got to like the look of the Cardinals in the division because the Cubs have taken a step backwards. So, to me, have the Reds. And the Brewers really haven't done anything. But to repeat, it's not good enough in St. Louis to just win the division. You have to win in the playoffs, and this certainly is going to give them a better chance to get to the playoffs and do something in the playoffs. And I wonder, Tim, if moves like this, and I don't know what the Cubs' philosophy is now. Obviously, they've made a lot of moves to kind of pull back. But now that the Cardinals have Arenado and they seem to be a prohibitive favorite, I wonder if this changes the Cubs' philosophy about timing uh, Chris Bryant trade. Because I think before this trade, the Cubs had a, a real chance. I think the Arenado trade kind of really changes the, the dynamic in the division. Yeah, it's possible they look around and say, all right, somebody just got better. and you know, and it, But it all depends how many playoff teams we have. I mean, that changes. Are there going to be eight playoff teams yeah. per league and there are only going to be five? That's going to change the dynamic again. Team may look and say, hey, if there are eight or we're seven, we got a better shot to win a wild card, so we're going to keep Chris Bryant or we're going to keep so-and-so. But if there are only five, I mean, just the smart teams will look and say, all right, we can't tell everyone this, but we're not making the playoffs with our club. So it'll be very, very interesting to see. And, of course, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Arenado has an opt-out after 2021, which he does, and what he does with that. Let's never forget when Mark McGuire got traded to St. Louis. I'll never forget this. I had people telling me, He's going to be a free agent after the year. He's going to make a fortune. And after about two weeks, he said, I'm not leaving here. I love it here. And that might be the same case with Arenado. Tim, this seems like a slam dunk move for the Cardinals. But what about the Colorado side of things? How would you evaluate what we know about this deal for the Rockies? Well, clearly the Cardinals got the better end of this deal. But the Rockies are not a contending team at at the moment. They're in the division with the Dodgers and the Padres, who are only getting better from here. They had to save some money because of, the, of all the money tied up in Arenado. They're getting, some, they're, you know, they're getting uh, relief from that salary, of course, and this gives them a better opportunity to sign Trevor Story, who's not a good player. He's a great player. And if they're going to be competitive, they have to keep him long-term. So this gives them some flexibility if Austin Gomber is still in, indeed involved in this with two younger guys, that's still the deal. Uh, it's not enough for, for Arenado, but I understand what they're doing. But uh, it's not going to sit well in Denver once this thing is completely done. Tim Kirchin, as you might guess, St. Louis is really buzzing, and we really appreciate you coming on and taking some time to break it down for us here on 101 ESPN. Well, my pleasure. Thank you. See you later. That is Tim Kirchin, ESPN, with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, more reaction from a guy who you talk about fired up, is really (laughs) fired up. Greg Amzinger next from MLB Network on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy now head back to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and our friend 
Greg Amzinger, lead anchor for MLB Network, joins us on 101 ESPN. He's driving around in uh, the, what do they call it, the tri-state area, right? Yes, the tri-state area. There are 15 inches of snow. Beautiful weather here in the tri-state area. One of the smartest things I've ever done. One of the smartest things I've ever done was to drive around in 15 inches of snow. <laughs> you're brilliant. You're absolutely brilliant. But you know what? You're, you're so giddy. You think you can do anything because your feet haven't touched the ground since Friday night. I'm telling you guys, this is, this is if you mixed us acquiring Scott Rowland, Jim Edmonds, and even Mark McGuire into one, this is what this deal means to me. Now, he's not juiced out of his mind like Big Mac, so he's not going to have his own section in the ballpark like Big Mac land. But he is, if there was a prototype of a perfect Cardinal, Nolan Arenado is it. No offense to the other great Cardinals we've loved. But in the city of St. Louis, I'm telling you, I'm going to say we, because I am from St. Louis proudly, we appreciate Guys that grind like they have no talent, the David Eckstein's of the world, and we appreciate the defensive wizards, the little things in the game that are overlooked by so many other fans. We love it as St. Louisans. This guy plays the game like David Eckstein, like he's got no talent, but he's got more talent than Jim Edmonds ever had. He's a defensive wizard at third base like Ozzy was to short. This dude, all he cares about is winning. That's all he wants to do. When I when I tell you there will be more Arenado uh, jerseys at Bush Stadium than anything you've seen, that's a fact. They are going to fall in love with Nolan Arenado. Greg, I know that we're going to fall in love with him, but hopefully he falls in love with us and he wants to stay here too. But reading about him and everything that he's about and everything that he wants, it seems like he's going to love it in St. Louis as well. I, I've had a chance, uh, Michelle, to chat with him and – all he wants to do is win. And when you think about Cardinal baseball without Yachty or Molina, the reality starts to set in of what you're going to be lacking. And I'm not saying Yachty's not going to come back this year, but he's not going to be here five years from now playing and leading the Cardinals. Yachty or Molina had the baseball instincts of, of someone that got their doctorate in America's pastime. He also was a fierce competitor that did whatever it took to win a baseball game. And whether that be with his arm, his glove, his bat, his IQ behind the plate, Nolan Arenado is going to carry that torch from Yadier Molina. And the love he receives for doing it from St. Louis fans, he's going he's gonna to be beyond smitten with, with the Gateway City, man. He's going to love St. Louis. Uh, one of my favorite Nolan Arenado stories, you guys might remember this, it was probably five years ago. Uh, John Gray on the mound, young fireballer, everyone loves him. Uh, he's still gone back and forth as the future ace of the Rockies. But in the first inning of one of their games, uh, you know, he threw a fastball, center cut, first pitch, guy goes bridge. All of a sudden, in the dugout, you've got Nolan Arenado airing out John Gray and the catcher for the Colorado Rockies. I believe it was Chris Iannetta at the time because – the scouting report was, don't throw this guy first pitch fastball. He's reading the scouting reports. It doesn't matter to him. He's playing third base. He's on a track to get paid no matter what the score is. Okay? But he's so furious that they did it anyway. I love that about him. I talked to him about it in spring training. He was embarrassed that he didn't take it down into the clubhouse, and he kind of aired out his teammates on blast in front of the cameras. But that's the kind of stuff – St. Louis fans want to know you care. They want to know that even if you're 0 for 4 and the Cardinals win in a walk-off, you're the first one in the dog pile celebrating. That's Nolan Arenado, man. And he is going to make 
St. Louis fans foaming at the mouth to get back into Bush Stadium to watch baseball again. St. Louis and Greg Amsinger, lead anchor at MLB Network, joining us on 101 ESPN, talking about the Cardinals' acquisition of Nolan Arenado. Greg, we always hear this about guys that played in Denver in the altitude, about, okay, is he a product of Coors Field? Any concern at all about that? No, I think D.J. LeMahieu debunked a lot of it, and thank God he did for Nolan Arenado's case because who knows? I mean, think about it. If, Nolan, if D.J. LeMahieu doesn't do what he did in New York, it still carries on. I mean, to me, it's ridiculous. Todd Hilton's not going to get into the Hall of Fame more than likely because he played half of his games at Coors Field. Why is that a crime? I don't understand. Why is that a crime? He plays for one of the 30 teams in Major League Baseball. He didn't pick to go there. They drafted him out of Tennessee. So he rakes there, and that's a punishment to him? Well, Come on. I, it, makes, it makes no sense to me at all. And if you're I a Cardinal Nolan fan, Ar- you, you look at Holiday in the way that he translated here, right? Yes, yes. He didn't have his, the, the gaudy power numbers, but he was still an RBI machine. Great hit-for-average guy. I, I, I don't think that is as much of a concern. Anybody that, that, that talks about hitting, and if you're like a guru in it, and you watch film, and there are a lot of young baseball players that play college or high school in the St. Louis area they are listening to this right now, it, it's not a fluke that Nolan Arenado is an offensive force. No player in the sport keeps their head down like Nolan Arenado. Go on YouTube and just watch Nolan Arenado swing in slow-mo. His head stays so perfectly down through a baseball. I try to replicate that through my golf swing, but Randy Carricker's seen that I cannot do that. <laughs> but it, it, his swing is great, not because of Coors Field, because his mechanics are perfect. Greg, we knew that the Cardinals and Arenado had been lusting after one another for years and that the Cardinals and Rockies had tried to do this dance before, tried to get this deal done, but there was a lot of obstacles in the way. So how surprised were you that the Cardinals went out and made this move, not only period, but coming off a pandemic season when they didn't have the revenue generated that they normally do? Well, here's the thing. Uh, you know, I, I talked to so many different people in the game, and what I heard was they were getting close to a deal with Jock Peterson. And they were in communication with their side a lot. And out of nowhere, the Cubs swoop in, offer more money, and sign Jock Peterson to a one-year deal. Okay, no big deal. But the timing of that, all of a sudden, they push the Arenado detonate button. <laughs> <laughs> and then, boom, here we go. Uh, you know, when the Cubs come and pluck away a guy that the Cardinals thought they were in agreement with, I'm not saying it got that close, but they were definitely interested in Jock Peterson. For then, all of a sudden, immediate knee-jerk reaction is to give the Rockies that extra prospect or two that they were looking for, and now we've got a deal. Uh, to me, this rivalry still, even in a pandemic, it, it exists. The Cardinals are now the heavy favorite, the heavy favorite to win this division. They were the favorite before this move because no one in the division were making any moves. But to acquire a guy like Arenado and across the diamond, you've got his brother from another brother, Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, these guys are like perfect teammates. Uh, They competed against each other in the NOS for so many years. Uh, They're going to love playing together. This is going to be so much fun to watch. I'm just glad this is what we're talking about in this offseason and not the lack of Cardinal moves. Greg, agree with you. Think that they're the favorite in the division, but do you think they can contend for a World Series? I think they can. I don't think they're done. Uh, I said this before. I said it last week. This is a team that I believe will tinker within the season. They're going to roll with what they got in the outfield. 
They want one of these young guys to hit. I think Dylan Carlson's a guarantee he's not going anywhere for a long time. I, I would Personally, I'd put him between Goldschmidt and Arnado in the lineup to get him pitches. But they're going to try to see if an O'Neill can break through, a Harrison Bader can break through, Lance Thomas can break through. They're going to see. And if the status quo takes place, they will make a move to make sure they're, they're in lockstep with the Dodgers, with the Braves, with maybe the Mets if they go get Trevor Bauer. They're going to make a move in the season uh, because they, they only compete for World Series titles. And especially if Yachty comes back, you already got Wayno uh, coming back. You get Yachty or Molina, you're all in. You're all in for 2021. And that's what the Cardinal fans need. After what happened with this horrible pandemic, Cardinal fans not being able to go to games, it's a crime. That's a crime. So that's like no high school football in the state of Texas. No, it shouldn't, shouldn't be the case. So what the front office did, what ownership did, people like to complain about their organization a lot. I think Cardinal fans need to celebrate. Celebrate what your owner and what your front office did for you because this is going to be such an exciting season to watch. Hey, Greg, before we let you go, where was it so important to get in 15 inches of snow? <laughs> well, Randy, you know, <laughs> so so my, my Drizzly app, which uh, is an app that uh, delivers alcohol to your house, uh, they, they had no delivery service today. Not saying I needed, not saying I needed a Bloody Mary today, but I decided, you know, it's, it's not going to go anywhere. It's 15 degrees here. So I'm going to try to slide my way to a local liquor store, see my friends, and load up because I didn't do it before the storm hit. But, you know, as you know, I'm your transparent friend, and you ask great questions. So I'm giving you the answer. Greg, you did say to celebrate this deal. So I appreciate yeah, you taking the first thank step. Thank you. I thank you. I, uh, it's a bloody Mary to all my Cardinal Red Nation fans. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> You're the best. You are the best. Oh man! Take Th- care, guys. Thanks for coming on with us on a Monday. We'll talk to you later in the week. I uh, right, see ya. See ya, brother. That is Greg Amsinger, MLB Network. If you weren't excited before about Nolan Arenado coming to St. Louis, you better be after Greg Amsinger just described what a perfect fit he's going to be. The perfect Cardinal. We will have a Nolan Arenado Cardinal trade themed take it or leave it coming your way next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We invite your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN with Michelle and Randy. Michelle, I'll get things started. Okay. Last year, the Cardinals had 13 players make their Major League debut. They had 19 rookies on their team and yet never handed out the number that Nolan Arenado wears, number 28. Oh. Take it or leave it. They always knew. I'm going to take it. And I'll say at least they were always holding the torch for him. Whether yeah. they knew it would get done or not, they knew that they wanted it. They wanted him. I, I thought last year we were in spring training at the end of February. And in talking to Cardinal front office people last year, and we talked about this during the shutdown, I thought there was momentum towards an Arenado deal last year before the season started. And obviously the pandemic changed everything. I think the Cardinals always had in the back of their minds that they were going to go get him. And heck, I, I, I can go back to January of 2020 where I thought, wow, they're going to get him. And then obviously I thought that was dead. I thought that that horse was out of the barn, that they weren't going to get him and they pull it off. Pretty amazing. And by the way, 
Brandon Kylie had a poll a couple of weeks ago. If you could spend 150 million for five years on these five players, and it was Lindor, Correa, uh, Baez, Seager, Ar- Arenado. Because he's older than the other guys, I had Arenado at the back of my list. But the fact that you can get him for 150, because none of those other guys are going to be 150 million over right, five. Right. The fact that you could get him for 150 over six makes him a better financial deal for the Cardinals. Do you remember a couple weeks ago, you and I did a segment talking about the Cardinals winning a World Series, and we made a bet that the Cardinals would or wouldn't win a World Series within the next 10 years? Yeah. And I believe you said you didn't think they would. And I said I would take my chances yep. on the Cardinals based on their history. Take it or leave it. You want to change your bet. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I think this opens up the idea of the, the postseason randomness for the Cardinals much better. I think when you add this singular player, now you could see them, okay, I, I could see it at least. I, I think there's a lot of people, if we base it on our text line, that don't. But I could see the Cardinals getting into a postseason with their pitching and Nolan Arenado driving in some key runs in a postseason series. And all of a sudden, the randomness, take like it did with David Freeze in 2011, randomness takes over and you do win. The Dodgers have been the favorites for how many years? And how yeah. many World Series have they won recently? One. Yep. It's it's very difficult to win. But the Cardinals not only have Nolan Arenado now, it seems like Devil Magic will get reignited on this. Oh, yeah. It just... I heard from so many people over the weekend, Randy, that live in Milwaukee and that are fans of the Brewers and that live in Chicago or fans of the Cubs. The rest of the NL Central is despondent right now because they're watching their teams, whether it's in Chicago, selling off their favorite stars. And then here come the Cardinals getting a future Hall of Famer, Nolan Arenado. It just seems this is what happens. or This is what should happen <laughs> for the Cardinals. Emily Butcher is here. What do you have from the text slide? All right. From the 636. Take it or leave it. Nolan Arenado was more excited than Greg Amzinger to be coming to St. Louis. Oh, I'm going to leave that. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that there's a person in America that's more excited than Greg. Yeah, I'm going to leave that too. <laughs> Even though I'm sure Nolan Arenado is very pumped, no one hits the Richter scale on the excitement meter higher than Greg Amzinger. <laughs> he, he just is instant offense all the time. Mm-hmm. And add this with his favorite player in the game going to the team that he grew up watching. This is unbelievable <laughs> for him. From the 314, take it or leave it, Nolan hits over 45 bombs this year. I'm going to leave that. Uh, He has led the National League in home runs twice and has hit over 40, but I don't think in this ballpark he's going to be a 45 home run guy, but I could see him easily hitting 30. I just want to take it because I want to put out positivity, and I'm that excited too, even though realistically probably not. But why not? This is the Monday after the trade. We need to be unrealistic. And yeah. a little delusional right yeah, now. 45, though. Yeah, come on. Hey, we got we got Arenado. Anything is possible. That's right. <laughs> From the 636, take it or leave it, getting Arenado solidifies that Gorman is an outfielder. I'll take that. I, I think that's a good move on the Cardinals' part. I, I think that this year, whether it's in the minor leagues or uh, whether it's here or whether they only have a, a camp, he should take reps in the outfield and at first base. I agree. Take it. From the 636, take it or leave it, the big fundy is the cards most thankful in the Arenado trade as he'll now get to see some hittable pitches. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that too. And he came here to win as well. And adding a piece like Nolan Arenado gets him one step closer to that goal. And by the way, I know Greg talked about putting Carlson between Goldschmidt and Arenado, and I would put Carlson, he said Carlson between Goldie and Arenado. 
So he would have Goldie hitting second, Carlson third, Arenado hitting fourth. The reason that I would hit Carlson second is because of the speed and the switch hitting ability. I like the switch hitter at the top of the lineup. So I think I would put Carlson second, then Goldschmidt and Arenado. But if you put that lefty bat, if Carlson is what we think he's going to be, and then all of a sudden you have a lefty switch hitter bat between Goldschmidt and Arenado, that'd be pretty prolific. From the 618, take it or leave it in Mo, we trust again. I'll take that. I'll take that. You make this move, you get $50 million, and you don't give up any of your top prospects. I'm, I'm back with the bow tie. It's not bad. <laughs> um, I, when I tweeted this over the weekend that we praised Doug Armstrong so much mm-hmm. that Mo said, hold my beer, I got a lot of, well, John Mosellock needs to do three or four more incredible moves to be up to snuff with Doug Armstrong. And I didn't respond to people, but I thought, how many championships do each of them have? Mm-hmm. Even though Ar- yeah. Army is has a near spotless record when you look at scoreboard they're they're right there they're they're both great they're both great from the 314 take it or leave it with goldie and arenado the cardinals have the best third first base duo in baseball i'm gonna take that uh i don't even know where you go for there's i well i guess oakland with the mats uh-huh. with uh, but chapman is hurt um, I mean, when we're comparing it to Roland Pujols, I'm going to go ahead and take it. Yeah. Um, I don't. Uh, Atlanta, probably not anymore. Uh, maybe uh, offensively, you look at Minnesota with Donaldson and Snow, but I don't think they, they match up. Certainly don't match up defensively. It's Well, Arenado's the best guy at third, so right. you need to... It, Where's the best defensive first baseman? Atlanta? I don't I don't think Atlanta's combo with Riley is as good. So I'll take that. Machado and Hosmer are pretty good, but Hosmer can't hit like Goldschmidt does. From the 314, take it or leave it, Nolan goes into the Hall of Fame as a Cardinal one day. I'll take that. I'll take that, too. This is where he's going to win. Yeah. From the 636, take it or leave it, the Cardinals will win the Central for the next three seasons. I'll take that, too. Because I think, well... No, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. I I will take it, too, because I think the Cardinals are actually going to be better after 2021. I think the Cardinals are ascending, and the other teams in this division, the Reds, the Cubs, the Brewers, certainly the Pirates, they're all behind where the Cardinals are as the Cardinals start to get better. Cardinals are... They're going to win... Well, they're going to be the favorites, prohibitive favorites to win their division and in essence, they're in the midst of a rebuild. Which is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. The only team that made me give pause there for a second was the Brewers. Uh, because I think they'll be a little TBD for a while, mm-hmm. as long as they have Yelich. And I'll put them in the conversation. Because you know that the Cubs, it's going to get worse from here. The Reds, I don't see making as many moves as they did heading into last season. I don't and they're going to spend. And they're not going to spend. So the Brewers were the only, and we know what the Pirates are, so right. the Brewers were the only one that gave me pause. And the Brewers had a top five farm system. They traded so many people to get Yelich that that hurt them. So they've they've got a bottom half farm system now. And with Yelich, here's a fun fact for you. For those that like the, the war statistic, both Christian Yelich and Nolan Arenado have played eight years in the majors and are going to play their age 30 seasons this year. Arenado, a 39.1 war in his career. Yelich, a 29. Wow. 
from the 636 take it or leave it the nolan deal sealed yadi wanting to come back take it yeah, i think that from what we are reading that was what he was waiting for take it and take it or leave it when they reached out to wainwright and yadi to get these things moving along they mentioned this to them because it's Adam Wainwright knew what was going on when he did that yeah. Zoom. He was teasing this, saying, I think Cardinal fans might be excited. Yeah. The Cardinals might have something up in their sleeve. So if they had any reservations, clearly the Cardinals expressed to them, we're going for yeah. it. I'll take it. All right, one more. Emily? From the 314, take it or leave it. You guys are bummed that Arenado won't see opening day festivities this year. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that, too, Although, because it would be incredible for him. He might get 28%. I think that's what we're talking is 28% in the stands for opening day. And then when they're ready, when the car, I don't think the Cardinals will do anything between 28% and 100. I think they'll go from having 28% of the fans in the stands to selling it up. I just wonder what it will be like with the Cardinal Hall of Famers, if they're going to do any of that stuff, or if it's going to be maybe... On the, on the video board. I don't know how they're going to do all of that, but I think when he finally gets his first real full go opening day, it's going to be very special. And, and I wish it was this year, but... He has played an opening day here with the Rockies, right? Didn't they open up here one day recently? I thought they did. Well, I'll, I'll double check that, but I thought he's seen it at least. But we want to hear from you coming up. We use the mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app and more of your texts with your reaction to the Cardinals' apparent acquisition, we'll still say apparent until it's done, of Nolan Arenado from the Colorado Rockies. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It is 8.04 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And if you missed part of that first hour, we heard from Tim Kirkjian. We heard from Greg Amzinger. And that'll be available later on our podcast brought to you by I Promise. So we're looking forward to that. And we're also looking forward to hearing from Chris Kerber in just a matter of moments. The Blues are hot. They've won three in a row. And he's at 8.15. Joe Buck at 9.30 here with Carriker and Smallman. And a lot of reaction, as we might guess, to this report that the Cardinals are going to acquire Nolan Arenado. As a matter of fact, Ken Rosenthal is on TV right now on MLB Network talking about the trade, and it's still report, colon, uh, Cardinals acquire Nolan Arenado from Rockies. But I think the report is pretty accurate. I can't wait until it's not report. It's just Cardinals acquire Nolan Arenado from the Rockies. And I'm intrigued to see who the package going back winds up being. Agreed. Obviously, Austin Gomber appears to be part of it. Mm-hmm. We heard, saw over the weekend Jeff Jones of the Belleville News Democrat said that he heard that uh, Jake Woodford was going to be part of it, and then either the new superfluous H, Jahan Torres, or Lucan Baker. Uh, those were other names that were brought up as possibilities. All of which you're okay parting with, right? Oh, yeah. No doubt. But if the Cardinals don't have, and unfortunately it's become this way with the Darvish deal, with the Lindor deal, nobody's giving up any of their top 10 prospects to take on these salaries. So yeah, if the Cardinals don't have to give up a top 10 prospect and they still have ammunition so that they can make deals, yeah, that's something I'll take every time. Think about the way that this 
has developed the conversations surrounding a potential Nolan Arenado deal to the Cardinals. When we talked about this a year ago, I think it was Dylan Carlson was the first name that mm-hmm. got brought up. And we, we had the argument about Flaherty. We, I was going to say Jack Flaherty was always in the mix there. We had the debate over would you trade him straight up. Um, and I, I think for John Mose, like to be able to give away prospects and not have it be Carlson, Libertor, or Gorman, and also get $50 million from the Rockies to get yeah. Nolan Arenado is incredible. It's amazing. All right, let's get to some of your text. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line here on 101 ESPN. This is from Cottleville, Chris Randy from the 636. I'm eating serious Mo Crow today. <laughs> the deal is so bad for Colorado, I keep waiting for it to fall apart. Yeah, I think that that's a natural reaction because you say, okay, well, something bad has to happen. But a couple of things. Number one, how often do these deals get turned down by Major League Baseball? And the other thing you have to analyze is from the league standpoint, and by the way, Bill DeWitt still basically in charge of baseball, (laughs) and the, the union standpoint, Where's the negative? There isn't a negative as far as I'm concerned. Arenado gets a better deal. He gets to maintain his no trade. He gets an extra opt-out. He gets an extra year at $15 million. The money is better. Now, some of the money is going to be deferred. I don't know why that would make a difference. And from the league standpoint, the Cardinals can give a contract to a free agent like this. And you've already had the Red Sox send $48 million to the Dodgers for David Price. So what's the difference? $48 million from the Red Sox to the Dodgers or $50 million from the Rockies to the Cardinals. The money precedent has already been set. I don't see a, a reason why it should not be approved. Agreed. This one from the 314. Okay, guys, enough for the sweet tooth on John Mozalock. At what point was his job starting to be in jeopardy for the signings of Brett Cecil, Greg Holland, and the list goes on? I'll even throw Dexter Fowler on that list and the contract extension of Matt Carpenter, not to mention the worst offense in baseball for nearly three years. I think Mo had to make a significant move so that his head was off the chopping block. And I would respectfully point out that at those press conferences when the Cardinals re-signed Matt Carpenter or when they signed Brett Cecil or when they signed Dexter Fowler, who was up on the podium? It wasn't just John Mozeliak. It was Bill DeWitt Jr. And believe me, Bill DeWitt Jr. had a lot to do with this deal, too. John Mozeliak and Bill DeWitt Jr. talk every single day. And Mo isn't making these deals independent of the owner. He's not saying, okay, here's what we did today. The owner is in on every deal. And my point being, John Mozeliak's head was never on the chopping block here. Also, with all due respect, the Cardinals in a pandemic season when they got ravaged by COVID still make the postseason last year, and they were in the NLCS the year before. So even though it's not enough for the fans, I don't know if your boss, who you're working in tandem with, is going to look at the the body of work and really think it's that terrible. And by the way, this is a trade that is universally loved by baseball people. This is not a trade that anybody in baseball is saying, oh, this isn't a good deal for the Cardinals. Everybody that I've heard, at least, loves the trade for the Cardinals. Same. I haven't seen one person that says that this was a bad deal for the Cardinals. Um, how about this one, Randy, from the 618? I love this deal because Nolan Arenado is becoming a Cardinal and also because it sounds like Goldie is going to see some pitches, finally. Yep, there's no doubt about that. And I know that on MLB Network they just showed Carlson hitting fourth. I would be really surprised if Carlson would hit fourth because it just wouldn't provide Goldschmidt enough protection. Let's get to a mic drop or two. Caleb is with us with our 101 ESPN Rhino Shield mic drop. Guys, all I can say is, wow, Mo finally got off his butt and did something. I'm amazed. Now, 
Wong is still out there as a free agent. If we pursue him, get him back along with Yachty, you have the best infield in the National League. And Randy was talking about lineups earlier. Now you got Edmund, who can move to the outfield in an everyday spot and left. And Wong and Edmund and Carlson can all go one, two, and fill that five hole or six hole, too. It was interesting the other day uh, that John Mozeliak said that he he likes Tommy Edmund at second base. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you could bring Wong back for a year at $4.5 million. But I think if you look at it from the Cardinals' perspective – you do have Edmund there. He's going to be on your team. Tommy Edmund is not going to be an everyday outfielder because the outfielders that you have right now, you've got Carlson, you've got O'Neill, who was a gold glover. You've got Bader, you've got Thomas, you've got Fowler, you've got Williams. You've got six guys. And Tommy Edmund is not going to play out there because they want a little bit more thump. They want Carlson to play every day. They want Bader to play. They, they like the defense. So I don't think that that's a possibility I would really be surprised if the Cardinals would bring Colton Wong back. Same. I can't see them bringing back Yachty and Wayno and doing the Arenado deal and bringing back Colton Wong. And one name we haven't heard, and it would change everything, if Carpenter would be involved in a deal to go to Colorado, then maybe I could see it. But we haven't seen any indication that that's a possibility. Right. Let's move now to John on 101 ESPN. Boarded. Patience. It should be the word of the day. It should be one of the questions in the fight. (laughs) Mo said, use patience, and we didn't, yet we were still rewarded. Just like 22 winning seasons in 24 years of Bill DeWitt owning the Cardinals. Yeah, we need to apologize a little bit to the Cardinals. Well, here's the thing, though. Just just St. Louis as a whole, I think. Yeah. We We were very fed up. People were very, very discontent. They were. But for good reason, our belief, I, I think you and I shared care. the belief that when he said you need to be patient, we thought it was for the whole year. Oh, yeah. That's why I said at the top of the show, <laughs> yeah. he has been honest with us throughout this entire process. That's something we constantly said is John Mosaic is not mincing words. Listen to the man when he tells you that they want to evaluate this talent, mm-hmm. that they they're looking at at the lineup. They want to improve offensively, but they need that to come from within all of these things that he was saying are true we just read the wrong tea leaves when he said be patient we thought be patient 2022 is the year we're gonna go for it we just misinterpreted it so we apologize for that (laughs) our bad that's our fresh take here on 101 espn more mic drops throughout the course of the show we want you to give them to us and throughout the course of the day here at 101 espn whether it's uh danny mack with bk or whether it's bk and ferrario or the fast lane your mic drops rhino shield mic drops with the 101 espn app throughout the day and your texts as well. But next up, we're going to talk some blues. They're hot and they're playing great. Chris Kerber, the voice of the blues, joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. After a long road trip, the blues making their way home from Anaheim. They've won three in a row. And joining us is the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. He had the call last night here on 101 ESPN. And I, I got to know, after the Blues played in Anaheim last night, Kerbs, are you worn out? <laughs> yeah, you know, that flight home from Centene to, to Manchester uh, kind of took it out of us. But uh, 
kids got up early and uh, got some good rest, so I think we're good to go. <laughs> Curbs, I was listening on Saturday night, the Blues and the Ducks, the first game, Jordan Cairo again, impressing everyone. And I hear this during the broadcast, and I want you to walk us through what happened, but just for the audience, this is what happened during Jordan Cairo's second goal on Saturday night. Here the Blues, they bring it in, and uh, the Ducks get to it, and they'll come right back out with it. Or is that Cairo? Is that a replay? Okay, is this one? I'm watching the one on the bottom here. Blues bring it in, and they shoot, and Jordan Cairo picked that one up. Joe, I got to be honest with you. Is it 3 nothing? It's 3 it's nothing. The, thank you. <laughs> We're trying to play catch-up with all these I got, goals. I, Three nothing Blues. Jordan Cairo scores. Let me give you a little summary of what's going on. Thank you, because I'm lost. Curbs is trying to fill out his scorebook about who's scoring these goals. Meanwhile, the Blues just keep scoring. It happened too fast for you, Curbs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, listen, it's, that's man, that's the world we're living in. So, what 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 happens to give you a little insight of, of kind of how this works? Like we are literally the same feed you are seeing at home. That's what we're calling the game off of. So when a goal is scored, that time clock disappears off the screen. They go to the goal graph. It's real quick, right? And the clock doesn't come back on until pretty much the drop of the puck. So this has now happened twice. I don't know the time of the goal of either Kairou's first or the second or, or the second one from uh, from Sanford. So then, so we've got to use the real-time scoring from the league, you know, on the game sheets online. Well, they were slow with that in Anaheim. So there's a little bit of a lull. There's like a break in play. I look down at my iPad. And I'm able to see the time so I could tell people, hey, they just scored two goals 57 seconds apart, right? Which I looked at Joe and said, this has got to be a record. At, at, at which point, I look back up, and the top TV, which is, again, the same feed you have, it's got Kairu scoring a goal. I'm like, boy, that looks similar to the other one. <laughs> and I look down at the TV right below it, which is delayed by about five seconds. That's the feed we get from the league. But it's the same feed as the one above. And, and I'm like, okay, well, that looked like what I just saw. And then Joe's pointing to the bottom TV, and I finally just had to say, I don't have a damn clue what's going on. <laughs> score again or what? And so, I mean, there was just, there's no way around it other than to just keep it live and say, folks, we'll get you caught up as soon as we know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> and how special does Jordan Cairo look? Well, he looks really good. He, he does. And, and last night was, I think, another really positive sign. And, and some fans may hear that and say, what are you talking about? He didn't have a point. He didn't have a point, but you still noticed him. There were still plays being made. And the reason that Braden Shen had the great night that he did, part of the reason, well, first off, the reason Braden Shen had the great night that he did is Braden Shen is playing at an extremely high level mm-hmm. right now. And, and that needs to be recognized. I think some of the success that Kyrou is having is because of what Braden Shen is doing at center. But the flip side of it is, like, there was a goal, and Kyrou would have been the third assist on this one, but it happened because of a play that Kyrou had that led to one of Braden Shen's goals. So uh, the fact that he's continuing game to game, just focusing on the little things each game to be successful, where even when you're not scoring points, you're doing things that help the team, that is a huge, huge sign for a young 22-year-old player. Curbs and the Blues finally get that second win out of these back-to-back games last night versus the Ducks. How important do you think it was for them to break that streak that they had going? Yeah, you know what? I don't get the sense from them that uh, that uh, it, it was it was a big burden. I, I do think that they'll be happy that they don't have to answer questions, uh, you know, from it going into the second game of every single series now. So, um, but I so I think that's important, Michelle. But but I I do think though that it, it was going to be a hump to get over 
for them to be able to kind of put together a streak. And, and now, obviously, they've got a three-game win streak on, on uh, they've just finished up. So, to me, the reality of, of that one is they were playing the right opponent because they didn't play great for at least the first half of that game. Billy Huso kept them in it at one nothing, and, and allowed them to come from behind and win that game. That was the kind of the opponent that the St. Louis Blues needed for that second game, and let's hope that they get on a roll because of it. And, Curbs, you mentioned Huso, and I am so reactionary. I was nervous about him after that goal, but I was pretty comfortable about Billy Huso by the end of the game. He actually had a really nice performance last night. Yeah, and you know what? If you go back to his first start, too, Randy, and you remember like those ten, first 10 or 12 shots that he faced because the Blues weren't very good, he had to be really good there. I think it's something to build on for him. Now, uh, I think there's another level of work ethic for him to, to put in at practice, uh, for, you know, from when you talk to some people and you see what's going on there. But, but that was a needed win on two fronts. One, his own confidence that he can get the job done. So that's obviously critically important. The confidence of a goaltender could be everything. But it, it, it's the confidence that he has with the team play in front of him and the team picked the game up. And then it's the confidence the team has in his play. And, and I think that last night did a lot to serve both sides of that very well. What do you think of the, the reaction, the response of Vince Dunn to sitting was? I think uh, Vince has played two very good games. I think he's been more active with his feet. He's been more aggressive. Look, Vince Dunn, in that role that he's playing, and Vince Dunn has the ability to play a physical role, and I, and I think he has to do more of that. But one of his real strengths is being able to escape. I mean, in, in terms of a defenseman's ability to escape some trouble because of his skating and stick handle out of it, he can do a lot more than that. And then he's got to make the right decision of the puck. And, and I, I think if he just gets a little selfish in that side and really starts to show a little bit more of that side of him, he'll be fine. So uh, I, I think, honestly, for two games, I think his response was exactly what the coach wanted to see, and uh, he delivered pretty well. And here are the Blues with all the, this depth curbs, guys coming back from injury, they're in first place. Things are as far as I'm concerned, are really looking bright for the 2021 Blues. Yeah, and, and they're not even, again, I don't think we're, I mean, we haven't seen anywhere close to the best of Colton Pareko yet. Um, you, you know, his game's still coming. We haven't seen the, the complete chemistry mix yet with Tory Krug and these guys, that's still learning. We talked to Krug about that yesterday. And, and there's, there's other factors in there. So absolutely, you've got to feel really positive with the way things are going. And, and compared to this, there's a lot of hype around the National Hockey League this morning because of the huge nights in an 8-5 to win that the Edmonton Oilers had over Ottawa last night where Leon Dreisaitl had six assists through the first two periods and Connor McDavid had five points. Each of these two players, just 11 games in, has 22 points, right? They've got 44 points between them, and I think the Blues have a combined 89 points between their entire roster, right? But the Edmonton Oilers have a goal differential of minus three, and having played two or three more games than some of the other teams ahead of them sit fifth in their division. You, you know, so I, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, those two players are unbelievably good players. But again, right now, all they are is great regular season players because unless they can defend to keep the puck out of their net, they're not going anywhere. Well, the Blues just spread it around the entire roster. Two guys with 10 points, several with nine points, you know, getting good goaltending, six goals from the defenseman over the last seven games. And it's just a solid four-line, three-defense groupings attack that other teams have trouble with. I, th- I think it's a terrific start to the season. Curbs, you and I had a great time Friday while Randy was taking a much-deserved day off, and we had teased this throughout the show, and then we never paid up on the tease. So I want to ask you the question uh, now. We had talked a lot about you sharing the story of the first time you met Kelly Chase. So since we teased it we never delivered, now is the time. Please tell us the story. 
Yeah, I'll do that. And Randy, by the way, in the fight, I went four for four and I retired. That's, a, that's my boy. Okay. Way to do it. I, <laughs> Good job. I learned from watching John Elway finally get that win, and I'm out. I, I retired. You so I, I went out on top on that one. You're smart. So, yeah, first, first time we ever went, uh, ever met Kelly Chase. So I had a friend of mine, Paul Rohde, one of my great friends, lives in town here. And, and uh, he came up to, to visit me, and I was working the game in Springfield. We were affiliated with the Hartford Whalers. All right. So. Kelly had been had been uh, moved to Hartford. Hartford picked him up off of waivers, and he was playing. And and, and so I knew obviously the PR director there. And so I arranged and I grabbed a, we grabbed a couple of tickets from someone that worked in our office that uh, had used to work for the Whalers. So we're sitting kind of in this Hartford Whalers season ticket section. And we're, I said, "Come on up, Paulie. Let's uh, let's go watch the Blues play the Whalers." So we and Springfield is only thirty minutes north of Hartford. So we drive drive down to Hartford. We're sitting in these seats. We're watching the game. I said, "Look, we're affiliated with the Whalers, so we can't." We can't really bleed blue here. You know, we got to just kind of use our heads and be smart. He says, no problem. So we're not wearing any blues gear or anything. Probably about the second period, Al McKinnis comes over the blue line on the right side, takes a slap shot, pops the water bottle, it goes in, and the natural blues fan in us came out and we jumped up. Well, I catch a full beer on the back of my head from about four rows back, and it creates this stink and, you know, just a, a bit of a kerfluffle in the crowd. Security comes up, kind of separates everything. So they don't kick anybody out. So I looked at Paul. I said, hell with that. We're bleeding blue the rest of the game. We became two absolutely obnoxious Blues fans, right? And finally, we scored another goal. I had about a third of my beer left, and I looked at the guy that chucked his. I said, here, at least if you're going to throw one, throw it at me. Throw mine. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, at which point security saw this, thought the other guy started it, kicked them out, which was really good and funny. But in the meantime, Chaser was one of Paul's all-time favorite players. So I arranged for us to go get press passes and, and, and meet Chaser down after the game. Now, he didn't play in this game. So we go downstairs, we meet him, and the two of us are drenched in beer, stink like Bud Light, right? <laughs> and like just, just beer all over us. We go to meet Chaser, and, uh, and he could tell something happened. He goes, oh, that's, that's my kind of cologne. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, honestly, that was, that was the first time I met Chaser. And then, uh, you know, when I got the job, Jim Woodcock said, well, you want to meet who your new partner is? I said, sure. He says, it's going to be Kelly Chase. I just started laughing. And then uh, we talked on the phone. Uh, re- he remembered that story, so did I, and we were off and running. One of the all time uh, greats. First time I met him was just soaked in beer. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. And I'm sure that probably wasn't the only time that you ran into him soaked in beer either. Uh, me or him? <laughs> Both of you. Of us? <laughs> uh, I'm going to plead the fifth, and we'll save that for a happy hour, Randy. <laughs> All right, Curbs. Hey, have a great day. Thanks for the time. We'll be tuned in tomorrow night with Arizona in town. All right. Have an awesome start to the week, guys. Talk to you soon. You too. That's the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber, here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got the fight for you. Stick around. It's coming your way on Carriker and Smallman. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Carriker and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman on this Monday here on 101 ESPN. It's time for the fight because it's 8.33 in the morning. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. This is the part of the show where Randy, who is a sports trivia savant, takes on one of our listeners in a sports trivia contest. And that listener today is Mike. Good morning, Mike. How are you? 
Doing great. How you doing, Michelle? I'm doing well. Mike, what was your reaction when you found out the Cardinals were acquiring Nolan Arenado over the weekend? Uh, probably like everybody else. I didn't believe it at first. But uh, if, if it all goes through, this it's a, it's a game changer. It's a season changer. That's right. I know. We went from being uh, very down about the Cardinals to very high, very quick, very quick. All right, Mike, let's jump, let's jump into the fight here. Question number one. Before becoming the first African-American to play in the major leagues in the modern era, Jackie Robinson was a four-sport star at which university? Was it Notre Dame, UCLA, or Howard? Uh, I'm going to say UCLA. All right, Mike. Nolan Arenado played high school baseball with what other Platinum Glove Award winner? Was it Matt Chapman, Manny Machado, or Anthony Rizzo? Anthony Rizzo. Okay, Mike. Question number three. Matthew Stafford was reportedly traded over the weekend to the Rams in exchange for Jared Goff and several first and third round picks. I'll be surprised if you don't know this one. Which Major League Baseball starting pitcher is famously his childhood friend? Is it Clayton? Clayton Kershaw. There you go. I don't know any broadcast that either of them has been on where you haven't heard that little fun fact. And who is the all-time MLB career strikeout leader? Is it Nolan Ryan, Randy Johnson, or Roger Clemens? Nolan Ryan. All right. Mike, great fight on the Monday already. Checking score. Randy coming in. Yeah, the only thing that I've heard more on a national broadcast than Matthew Stafford and Clayton. Oh, well, Randy's coming in. Earmuffs, Randy. Oh. Then those two are friends. Is that Mike Trout likes the weather. I mean, both of those stories lines have been discussed to death. Randy is here. Randy, please say good morning to Mike. Mike, good morning. How you doing? Doing great. How you doing, Randy? Everything's great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. I almost Thanks re- for having me. I almost revealed an answer as you were walking oh, in, but I think I'm you're going to know it. I think you're okay. going to know this he one. He probably already knows it. That's right, Mike. He probably already knows it. But still, I want to give you the fairest shot possible. All right, Randy, question number one. Before becoming the first African-American to play in the major leagues in the modern era, Jackie Robinson was a four-sport star at which university? UCLA. Nolan Arenado played high school baseball with what other Platinum Glove Award winner? Uh, High school baseball Platinum Glove. Um, I'll do the lifeline. I didn't know that he had played high school with a Platinum Glove winner. Was it Matt Chapman? Manny Machado or Anthony Rizzo? It would have had to have been uh, Matt Chapman. Randy Matthew Stafford was reportedly traded over the weekend to the Rams in exchange for Jared Goff and several first and third round picks. Which Major League Baseball starting pitcher is famously his childhood friend? Clayton Kershaw. That's right. <laughs> That's the one I almost gave up. Oh, okay. And who is the all-time MLB career strikeout leader? For a pitcher? Yes. Nolan Ryan. Oh, man, you guys came out tough on a Monday, but we do have a winner. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. We have a winner and still champion, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. Great effort, Mike, but I'm sorry. Randy edged you out four to three. Oh, so close. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> it was very close. So Jackie Robinson was a four-sport star at UCLA. Baseball, basketball, football, and track. Whew, what an athlete. Impressive. Nolan Arenado played high school baseball with Matt Chapman, both platinum gold, excuse me, platinum glove award winners at El Toro High School in California. I wonder if they won a championship. 
By the way, future future major major leaguer and uh, Clay Thompson's brother Trace was also on that team. Wow. So three major leaguers, position players off of one high school team. Pretty good. So was Austin Romine. Wow. So you have four. Wow. That's uh, remarkable. I wonder if they did win because we know the uh, Flaherty, the Flaherty Giolito. Who else is Max in Freed? Max Freed. There you go. That they didn't w- end up winning, right? Right. Which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Matthew Stafford is buddies with Clayton Kershaw. I would be surprised if anyone does not know that at this point. Stafford was his catcher in high school baseball. That's right. I was saying as you were walking in, the only thing I've heard more on a national broadcast than than their friendship, that fun fact, is that Mike Trout likes the weather. Yeah, absolutely. Just reporting the weather and being concerned about it, which is kind of weird that he wanted so badly to stay in Southern California when there is no weather. Yeah, no weather patterns there. (laughs) So bizarre. But you... You'd have to come up with something else. We need to know more about this person who's supposed to be the face of baseball, other mm-hmm. than that he likes the yeah, weather definitely. and the weather channel. Anyway, and the all-time Major League Baseball career strikeout leader is Nolan Ryan, 5,714 strikeouts over 27 years. Mike, thanks so much for playing. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. All right, Mike, good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. We still have not received the email making the Nolan Arenado trade to the Cardinals official. We would anticipate that at some point during the day that uh, a physical will be completed. He did have a shoulder issue last year, so I'm sure the Cardinals want to get that taken care of. And then the union and Major League Baseball probably will have a little bit of a fight over it. So we'll probably learn something late today or early tomorrow. Can't wait. And here's the thing for the Cardinals. Do you just hold off or does does Yachty announce that he's coming back on Instagram so that you can kind of spread out the good news? This is a great question. Who announces the deal first, the Cardinals or Yachty on Instagram? I think Yachty does. He seems to control his own narrative on the social medias. I would agree with that. I think he would post something. You know, Adam Wainwright kind of went the Michael Jordan route on back. Mm-hmm. That was what was posted on the Cardinals social feed. Uh, but they they said it first. But I imagine Yachty would post something on Instagram of him, you know, maybe a black and white photo, something very nostalgia driven, very dramatic. I'm coming back. Mm-hmm. We're going to win. I love you, St. Louis. I could see that. Now, Greg Amsinger said that he thinks there will be more 28 Arenado jerseys in the stands once everybody's back than any other jersey. Do you think that's the case or do you think people will stick with their Yachty number fours? I think... It'll take a year or two to surpass Yachty. People I, are going to be excited. There's going to be a lot of yeah. Arenado jerseys in the stands when when fans get back to Bush Stadium. But think about the body of work that Yachty has put. Think about oh. the time span that Yachty has been the guy in St. Louis and how many people knew they were buying a jersey of a future Hall of Famer and that this one was pretty set. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think it'll be a year or so. By the way, I kind of wish that Goldschmidt would have switched to 44. I wonder if part of the reason that Goldschmidt jerseys don't sell as well is because 46 is just not a great number. Do you buy the jersey for the number or part for the it, name on the back? I, I would be much more inclined to buy a 44 than a 46. Really? Or a 50 rather than a 49. 49 is not a good number. It depends on who's wearing it. See, for me, if Wayno was 49, I wouldn't like that jersey as much as I like a 50. I'm trying. Okay. But, but Albert, five rather than 68. True. But a, a singular number seems to be impactful. Yeah. But Albert, originally they were going to give him 32. 
And then while Jockety came down to the clubhouse and said, no, this guy's pretty good. You better give him a better number than that. But if Albert wore 32, it would be the great one of the greatest numbers in Cardinal history. We would, would, we would love 32. But I would be less inclined to buy a 32 than a 5. You're telling me that after he hit that home run off Bradledge, that if you were searching online to buy a jersey, you would say you were so excited about Albert and this massive feat that you would say, mm, but the number. I don't well, know. here's the thing. I don't know. If he's wearing 32, he's just not as good. How much, <laughs> oh, is that science? How much better is Jordan Cairo as 25 than he was as 33? 33 is not a goal scorer's number. 25 is. So it just unlocks something inside the player. The number does. Yes, it does. Absolutely. I, didn't, I wasn't aware of the science. So now you know. And now I know. Via radio. Also, I am a big believer in doing when something happens and something good happens, you need to do it again. A little superstition mm-hmm. on my part. Randy, love you. You were out on Friday. Yep. Adam Wainwright gets signed. Nolan Arenado comes to the Cardinals. Every Friday? Illinois beats Iowa. The Blues back-to-back, and they look great. I don't know. I'm just saying, I think maybe you need to relax. If something bad is going on in St. Louis, you may need to burn a vacation day. We need to test this theory. I'm good with this. (laughs) I'm good with a four-day work week. I'm sure you are. We missed you, but I was like, wow, we have had months of inactivity, and Randy takes one day off, and everything happens. Coming up on 101 ESPN, more of your reaction to the Cardinals' deal with Colorado to get Nolan Arenado, your mic drops, more texts, 65780. Coming your way with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. One quick note before we get to your texts and mic drops from the 314, the aesthetic of the number matters. Hmm. Uh, speaking of numbers from the 314, Goldie does need to go back to number 44. From the 636, Binner looks better in 50 than he would in a 48 or a 49. Krug wanted number 7 in Boston, so he would look better than 47. And uh, another one from the 314, I always wanted number 12 because I always wanted to finish first or second when I competed. Right, but no one looks at a 12 and they think that guy's number 1. They think that guy's number 12. By the way, did you see that uh, originally if... Chris Godwin would not not have given up number 12 to Brady. Brady was going to take number seven for his seventh Super Bowl championship. What a flex. In pursuit of. Yeah. Big time. Big time flex. And you know what? For most people, we would say, how arrogant. But it's Tom Brady. And he's We've got a shot. He's doing it. So, <laughs> he's on his way. It's terrible that he's got 12. I mean, he's going to stick around a while. If you were a certain number your entire life and then a legend comes in or a proven champion comes in and they want your number, do you automatically give it up? I would. Or does it depend on the player? No, if, it, if, if it's a landed. legend that comes in, like Godwin did, or when Mike Matheny, when Will Clark came to the Cardinals, gave up 22 for those couple of months, I'd give it up. Yeah, if Tom Brady comes in, how you do you not up. give up number right. 12? Yeah, you but, have to. But, you know, there's certain other people. I'm trying to think of a, of a different example. And he's a starting quarterback, which also has a certain weight on a team. Right. There was somebody recently that wouldn't give up their number, a younger player that wouldn't give up their number for a legend. I'll think of who it was. Yeah. I think that it depends on the person because if you've worn that number your whole life and you've already been established as that that number and and your team, then why would you want to give it up? Better offer me something good. And part of it is who you are. LeBron wanted to give up number 23 to Anthony Davis, but they wouldn't let him. Yeah. Wow. That's understandable yeah, from, a mar- he, from a marketing standpoint, understandable. But if you could sell all those 23s and then have LeBron just go back to number six, which he wore in Miami, sell more jerseys. 
Yeah, if you are someone like LeBron or Kobe, you make the number. It doesn't matter if you're True. 8 or 24 or 23. It doesn't matter what you are. You make the number. Except another guy made the number for LeBron. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Let's get to Mike Drops Lewis on 101 ESPN. My question for you, uh, Randy and Michelle, is what does John Mozeliak have to do to appease Cardinals Nation? We're two days post-trading for arguably the best third baseman in baseball, and a lot of what I'm hearing is, well, what's the next move he's going to make? Because, oh, we, we just still, even with Arenado, we can't compete with the Padres and the Dodgers and the Braves. I think we can. What do you guys think? I, I think that the Cardinals, A, can compete with those teams in a playoff scenario because they can pitch, and now they have enough offense to at least be able to compete, not necessarily beat them. I think there are a lot of people that just don't like John Mozeliak because of the way he looks, because of the way he dresses, and because they aren't happy with just winning. They, they'd prefer to win the World Series a lot more often. Like, um, oh, who has lately? I guess the the Red Sox mm-hmm. are the only team that yeah. are really comparable because the Yankees haven't won since '09. The Dodgers have won one since 1988. There's just extraordinary expectations, and I don't think that there are people that'll ever be happy with what Mosaic does. And by the way, we're two years removed from right now. Uh, people wanting Doug Ar- a lot of people wanted Doug Armstrong fired. A lot of people not only wanted Army fired, they wanted Tarasenko gone. They wanted yep. to blow up the entire operation. Right. And I'm with you. I think that the expectations are incredibly high for the Cardinals and for John Mozeliak, and that regardless of what he does, people are constantly going to look at a Matt Carpenter deal. And it doesn't matter that he brought in Goldschmidt and in. dealt from a position Mm -hmm. of strength. It doesn't matter that he's getting Arenado and not giving up any of the main prospects and getting $50 million in return. Some people, it's never going to be enough. But I do think that this makes the Cardinals contenders in a different way. Will they win the World Series? I don't know. But I keep bringing up the Dodgers. Look at how long the Dodgers have been spending to the max. Look at how how long they've had incredible star power. And they've won one World Series in that window yeah. during a truncated pandemic-ridden season when talent rises to the top. It's incredibly hard to win a World Series, and it's even harder to contend consistently, which is what the Cardinals have done. But I do think that this is going to free up a lot of other members on the team in different ways. Goldie all of a sudden is going to get different looks. What is that going to mean for him? What is this going to mean for Paul DeYoung to have a guy like Arenado in the lineup now? I wonder how this is going to impact the outfield because you're not asking Dylan Carlson to be a star right away. You're giving him a little bit more leeway to grow and to blossom into the player that you want because we're looking at Nolan Arenado now providing Mm -hmm. a a different look offensively. I wonder if we're going to take a little bit of pressure maybe off Harrison Bader now uh, because of this. It, It just completely changes the way that this lineup is going to produce but I do think that it's fair to still ask questions about the outfield. It's still fair to want the Cardinals to go out and make another move, but I think in the immediacy of it, we need to look at it for what it is, which is an incredible deal that makes them much better than they were. And one other note, I know that there are a lot of fans that would love to see the Cardinals be like the Padres are. The Padres had their first winning season since 2010 last season. So do you really want to be like the Padres because of what they've done this offseason and last offseason? They had their first winning season since 2010 was last year. And everyone wants to point to Chicago and or Boston with Theo. But what did they have to endure to get those championships? A lot of of losing. Here's Sean on 101 ESPN with another mic drop to Carriker and Smallman. 
I'm just kind of thinking through the lineup here of the future, and at some point here in the next few years, you're going to have a lineup of Edmund, Carlson, Arenado, Goldschmidt, Gorman, DeYoung, Herrera, O'Neill, and a pitcher. And in your starting four, at least, is going to be Flaherty, Hudson, Michaelis, Libertor. And then not to mention you have a closer in Hicks and some of the other arms that are coming up like Thompson. So the future looks bright. It really does. There's a lot of good things happening. And I guess Nolan Gorman has to go to the outfield now, right? You would think so, yeah. But yeah, if you, if he t- turns out to be that left-handed power bat that you've been looking for, and you can have him in left, Carlson in right, and whomever, Lane Thomas, Bader in center, or somebody else, you could have a pretty good lineup. I do think it's funny, though, how we're looking at all of the potential future pieces, and we feel a little bit more confident in the future now with Nolan Arenado. Literally last week, you could have given us that exact same group of players without Nolan Arenado. Mm -hmm. It's just the confidence has changed. And we would say, well, how do we know the Cardinals are evaluating them correctly? We don't know. Could they have could they have kept the wrong talent internally and given up guys like Randy Rosarena? And all of that still may be true, but it's amazing the rose colored glasses we have on and the outlook that that is seemingly different now that the Cardinals went out and made this move. And here's a guy that has led the National League in home runs three times and since 2015 his home run totals granted they've been half of his games have been played in Denver but 42 41 37 38 41 before last season in the truncated schedule here's Sharon on 101 ESPN hey guys Sharon and Glencoe here Uh, I'm still very cautious about the Arenado deal I want to see the official announcement so I'm like 50 50 crossing my fingers so but it's going to be incredible go cards Caution isn't a bad thing. I have zero, zero caution. I'm glad. Do you have any? No, I think it'll happen. I I can't imagine uh, how bad baseball would look if this thing didn't go through. Also, can you imagine, Randy, the level of devastation if it did not go through? Oh, man. I don't even want to think about that because we are riding so high. Can you imagine having to break that news to Greg Amsinger? Oh, man. The deal yeah. has fallen apart. It yep. is not happening. Now, He's not coming. This For a while last year, the Betts deal fell apart, and they had to redo it because Gratterall, remember, failed his physical. Yeah. And so the Dodgers had to throw something else in there. So it has happened before. Let's hear from Lisa on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone. So I guess I owe a public apology to John Mozalek <laughs> and Mike Gersh. I, I am just shocked, happy, ecstatic. If they only allow 10,000 people in that stadium, I don't know, but I'm going to be one of those 10,000. And I just want to thank the Cardinals because it feels good to be this excited about baseball again. All right, thanks. We ran a poll, Randy, a week or two ago, Mm -hmm. asking if when Bush Stadium allows fans back in, if people would even buy a ticket. That's where we were from an emotional standpoint for the Cardinals. And I'm getting texts over the weekend saying, I don't care who I need to bump in the vaccination line. I need to get to Bush Stadium and watch (laughs) Nolan Arenado play for the St. Louis Cardinals. People have completely shifted their energy and are now so excited about Cardinal baseball again. And isn't that all we ever wanted is to feel like we're behind a team that is exciting and that can win and have a reason to go to the ballpark. That's all we've ever asked for. And we get a text about star power and what gets people into the ballpark, and Bill DeWitt has mentioned this, are stars. And he said uh, that we we need to have stars. And this one from the 618, it was star power that turned 2006 and 2011 into World Series championships, and we now have legit star power. You think about 2011 when they added Lance Berkman and they go get an all-star former rookie of the year like Furcal at the end. That was 
a lot of star power on that team. Obviously, 06 was loaded with the MV3. Sure. And this helps a lot. Let's get one more mic drop. This is Allen on 101 ESPN. Yo, it's Allen. Cardinal Nation, Mo does it again. What a trade. He literally looked at Colorado and said, you know what? I don't want to trade with you. I want to rob your future Hall of Famer. I want to take your future Hall of Famer, and I want you to give me $50 million, and I want him to become a Cardinal Hall of Famer. You got to love it. Birds, birds, birds. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Alan. He's fired up. Love being fired up. Everybody is. It doesn't matter that it's freezing and it's gloomy in St. Louis. Today's a good day. It really is. Hey, thanks for your input. We love hearing from you on 101 ESPN, and I'm sure that throughout the course of the the day, the other shows would like to hear from you as well. Next up, today's big thing. We'll have a couple more of your texts and hear what Miles Michaelis has to say about the arrival of Nolan Arararo. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's 9.02 in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Today's big thing now, you're killing me smalls at 9.15. And then at 9.30, Joe Buck will join us. Talk a little bit about the Arenado deal. I'm sure that he'll be... He'll have some exciting uh, revelation about his reaction to the St. Louis Blues. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, he's pretty fired up about where they're headed. Should be. They're playing great. Yep. A 4-1 win last night. A 6-1 win the night before. And 15 goals on the road trip. They lost lost that game in Vegas. But uh, the Blues offense is performing at a high level now. Bennington looks fantastic. And they aren't even as good as they're going to be. So... Really exciting about the Blues. They have Arizona in town tomorrow night. We're still awaiting official word from the Cardinals and the Rockies about the Nolan Arenado trade. Looks like it's going to happen. And over the weekend, Miles Michaelis was on MLB Network Radio and talked about what a difference Arenado can make for this team. Pitch guys inside, throw stuff they roll over on. You know, let them let them eat up as many ground balls as I can. I mean, not that I'm, you know, we got a great defense and to just add, you know, you could add anybody in the league, but you add a guy that's won that many gold gloves that you see him, you know, diving, getting bloody, doing anything he can to make an out, making those throws from his knees, falling away. I mean, it's just, you know, that's a, over the course of a year, how many more outs is that? And and that's not even outs that a good third baseman makes. That's outs that only he makes. Maybe him and Machado or Chapman, you know, only a handful of guys make those plays with the way they play. So I, I think it's going to be incredible. It's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun when we're on the third base dugout and I get a really good front row seat <laughs> to watch him day in and day out uh, do his thing. Miles, what kind of impact does this have like among teammates? Is there like a buzz that the guy start texting, hey, we just got Arenado with that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's going to light a fire under some guys on our team for sure. I mean, this, if you're a guy like like Wayne Ryder Yachty, you're, you're looking at that pickup and saying, wow, I think I'm going to win at least one more World Series before I'm done playing because that's the goal. I mean, you, you take a team that's that's always a, a perennial playoff contender and you add a guy like that and it says, hey, we're trying to make it to the World Series and we've got the team to do it, I think. That is a really important component of this because not only do 
the guys in the clubhouse know what Nolan Arenado is going to bring to the team from a defensive standpoint, from an offensive production standpoint, but it does send a ripple of excitement throughout the team. We saw Jack Flaherty tweeting over the mm-hmm. weekend about this. You hear Miles Michaelis talking about it. You heard Paul DeYoung's reaction. It does light a fire within the team. This is already a really competitive group of guys. We know this. Look at what they had to endure last season with, with the COVID outbreak that happened on this team, and they did not back down and they battled through it. We know that this is a competitive group. But adding a superstar of this caliber to your team and getting one and hopefully two of your icons, of your legends, of your leaders back, and Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, it does provide a certain sense of urgency within the team. And on the flip side, when you don't do anything or if you have an offseason like the Cubs, that takes wind out of the sails of your players like Rizzo or Bryant. When when you see you Darvish and Caratini yes. and Schwarber walk out the door, you think... Uh, if you're a player, uh, well, we're in this, but the front office doesn't appear to be. If you're a Cardinal player, you know now that your front office is in the battle with you. Chris Bryant said as much when he was interviewed on Redline Radio. They asked him if he was having fun, and he said no. He said, Paul, not as much as I used to. And that was in reference to the trade rumors that were circulating around him. But I'm sure it's all connected. You you know that Theo has left. You Darvish is gone. Schwarber's gone. A lot of the pieces that made you great are up for conversation that they could go to. It certainly doesn't make it as exciting to come to work every day. I can tell you that. We talked to Tim Kirkton earlier. And, Michelle, I know you were really excited about one thing that he talked about. Well, I wanted to know from his perspective. This is someone that knows baseball inside and out. He has an incredible, incredible perspective from a historical perspective. Uh, context about what guys mean to the game and I just know that he knew Nolan Arenado as a player and as a person so I asked him what type of player are the Cardinals getting in Nolan Arenado and here's what Tim Kirchin had to say well after Brooks Robinson he's the greatest defensive third baseman I've ever seen nobody has ever won that many gold gloves in his first eight seasons like Nolan Arenado has uh, Michael Kadire told me years ago when Michael Kadire joined the Rockies, he told me, uh, Arenado, in my first three months here, made the five greatest plays I've ever seen a third baseman make. In three months, the five greatest <laughs> I've ever seen. That's how good he is. But more important than that, he's the guy I was told by one of their coaches in A at Tulsa. He would beg to take ground balls every day. And finally, one of the coaches said, Nolan, we're not taking extra ground balls today. It's 108 degrees today in Tulsa. And Nolan said, please, just 10 minutes, please. That's who he is. That's how how important it is for him to be a great defensive third baseman. He's also a wildly productive offensive player. Look at the homers the last six years. Look at the RBIs the last six years. I mean, almost nobody has those two numbers, but he does. That's that work ethic is something that the Cardinals have, and the DeWitt ownership have always been attracted to. When I, I've told you this before, when they signed Matt Holiday and had the press conference, they asked why, and they talked about his work ethic. The Arenado work ethic is similar to the Holiday work ethic, and think about that. Hundred and 10 degrees, 108 degrees, and he wants to take more ground balls. Incredible. And this it just echoes what Greg Amzinger told us also early in the show about Nolan Arenado being the perfect Cardinal. We heard the same thing about Paul Goldschmidt. But there is a certain type of player 
that fits the mold for a Cardinals baseball player. It's somebody who's productive. It's somebody who works really hard and somebody that is desperate to win. And I love that Paul Goldschmidt came to St. Louis because he wanted to be a part of a winning organization and he wants to win. Nolan Arenado, same thing. He wants to come here and that's going to make him work that much harder, if that's even possible, both of them, because they're both in pursuit of something that has eluded them for a long time. And how does that not impact the people around you? All the time, Randy, we we hearken back to the Tony Larusa, Dave Duncan years because of that relentless pursuit mm-hmm. of excellence and that relentless pursuit of winning. And Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina are the last player ties to that. So to think that now you have Paul Goldschmidt, who they call the Big Fundy, who's who's so consistent in his work ethic and his production, and now Nolan Arenado coming in too to be with Yadi and Wainwright for a year or two and to take what this Cardinals baseball team needs to be into the next decade, the next generation. It's huge. It's huge in the immediacy and it's huge in the long term. A couple of texts from the 636. What is the Carpenter situation? Is he our DH? I don't see Colorado taking him after paying $50 million for Nolan. I don't either. Carpenter right now would seem to be kind of a utility guy mm-hmm. where you put a, a left-handed bat in there on a day where Arenado or Goldie or Edmund needs a day off. Maybe, and we didn't talk to Greg about this, Greg could see him playing left field and maybe getting a shot to be an outfielder too if he is willing to do that. So clearly he's a bench guy. I would be stunned if he would be part of the trade because of the $50 coming back to the Cardinals. But right now, I, I would think that he's probably looking at a utility role, and he's always been a team player. I don't know if he'll be that much of a team player, if he'll be happy about it, but... What else are they going to do? Yeah, he may he may not be happy about it. He always has been a team first guy. But really, if you're him, what's your argument? Yeah. <laughs> what's your argument? How do you go into Mike Schultz's office and say, play me over Nolan Arenado? And the Cardinals. It's not going to happen. No. And last year, the, the Cardinals, remember in 2018 when he hit the 36 home runs, they said his metrics are good. So mm-hmm. they literally brought him in and said, hey, just keep doing what you're doing. You're hitting the ball hard. Right. But then last year, down the stretch, I asked Mo about that, about the fact that they had brought him in. And he said, no, we, something's got to change here because the metrics aren't worthy of him being in the line. To paraphrase, him being in the lineup every day because it wasn't like it had been in 2018. It was just a lot different. Another text, 65780, from the 636, slightly disappointed about Gomber, but how can you complain? You got to give up something to get something. And Gomber has a chance to be pretty good. 27-year-old left-hander. But if Gomber is the main guy you're giving up in a trade like this, you do it every time. That's what I was thinking. If he is the key piece in this, I think it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, I, I think so. Even though you you liked what he had done for you, and he certainly was someone that you could be excited about, you're not giving up Jack Flaherty. You're not giving up Dylan Carlson. You're not, and you're not giving up Matthew Libertor either. No. Michelle, one more from the 618. Mo should call the Angels and ask them how much money they'll give us to take Mike Trout off their hands. Hey, why not? It's worth a shot. It's worth a shot. Yeah, that was from the 636. Thank you very much for the texts and your mic drops. We do appreciate them. Coming up next on Carriker and Smallman, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, here we go with 
You're killing me, Small. There it is. Okay, kills me, Randy, to even have to bring this up, but it was a pretty big deal in the sports world over the weekend. But we're riding high in St. Louis over mm-hmm. Blues wins, Milan Arenado's coming to St. Louis, Adam Wainwright is coming back, Yadi and Molina seemingly coming back. But we got a massive, massive piece of news coming out of the NFL on Saturday night. Matthew Stafford. We knew that he and Detroit had pretty much come to the end of the road. They had mutually said, hey, this isn't working out. We need to build for the future. We got to get you out of here. And another place who wasn't that sold on their quarterback, the Los Angeles Rams, made a deal, Randy. Matthew Stafford heading to the Rams in exchange for Jared Goff. The Lions receive a third-round pick in 2021, a first-round pick in 2022, and a first-round pick in 2023 in an exchange here. And ESPN's Adam Schefter outlines how this all went down. The Rams had been working on this for a few days now, and the Detroit Lions really wanted to get this done and resolved as soon as possible. And there were other teams involved in the process as well, but it quickly became apparent that the Los Angeles Rams wanted Matthew Stafford as badly as Matthew Stafford wanted them. Matthew Stafford was drawn to the idea that he would be playing for Sean McVay in the Rams offense with those weapons in that city, in that stadium, which hosts the Super Bowl next season. And obviously it became quickly apparent that those two sides wanted it to work. And the Detroit Lions, once they got all that compensation in return, keep in mind they get back the former number one overall pick, Jared Goff. They get two future first-round picks, a third-round draft pick, a lot of picks for Matthew Stafford, who they were going to trade anyway. It worked on all ends. Well, a couple of things. Number one, you, you credit the Rams because they want to win while they still have a healthy and highly productive Aaron Donald, who's going to be 30 right. next year. They're in win-now mode. And by the way, the first call they made was to Green Bay about Aaron Rodgers, and the Packers said, eh, no, we are moving him. Yeah. But isn't that the first call you would make, too? It, it would be, It's yeah. the first call I'd make. And Brad Holmes, the new general manager of the Lions, was the scouting director of the Rams. He was actually a part of the Rams organization here, so he and Les Snead know each other exceptionally well. And I think this is a good trade for the Rams at the moment and for the Lions. I still think, even though the Rams have not had a first-round pick since 2016 and won't have one till 2024, I think the lack of draft picks ultimately will catch up with the Rams. And by the way, they have, let's see, a $22 million, $22.5 million hit from Jared Goff this season. And... They're still on the hook for Todd Gurley. They're going to have like $30 million in dead money from Goff and Gurley. And if the if the salary cap drops to $175 million, they'll have about $145 million, including the $20 million that they have to $22 million for Stafford. So the, for the other 52 players on their roster, they'll have about $120 million to pay all those guys. And their biggest cap hit is still Aaron Donald. So they're going to have less than $100 million to pay 51 players. I think that they're going to be really imbalanced. I'll be interesting to see, interested to see what sort of depth they have in 2021. It's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And I'm intrigued to see what happens, certainly with Stafford and the Rams, but I was kind of bummed out, Randy, when I got this news because Matthew Stafford was a guy I wanted to cheer for. Mm-hmm. He was a guy who's been very productive, very durable, and but he's been in a situation where he could not win. He's never won the NFC North while he was with Detroit. I wanted him to go somewhere so I could watch him flourish and I could cheer him on. Now I can't. Now I hate him. That's okay. Sorry, Stafford. Yeah, it's... But, you know, I, that bummed me out because I wanted to watch him win, and now I... I 
want to watch him fail. Yeah. Sorry. He, he had a, a pretty good career. Did it's he? Over, it's over now. Hey. He has a lot of records. He's he's put up a lot of numbers in Detroit. Who do you like better between he and Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson. He's still in the division. Uh, I know that uh, people are down on Jimmy Garoppolo, but Jimmy Garoppolo is 26-9 and nine or 28-9 and nine as a starter. And Stafford's got a losing record as a starter. And Kyler Murray looks to be emerging. And those teams haven't done anything yet, and the 49ers will get all their guys back. I don't think the Rams are necessarily the favorite in that division. They won't be able to bring back Leonard Floyd. They won't be able to bring back that safety, John Johnson. So they've got some work to do still. And <laughs> with uh, what I mentioned with the Goff and uh, and Gurley money, right now they're $30 million over the cap. Right now. Wow. That's crazy. So they've got some money work to do. You're killing me, Smalls. Well, a lot of people think if this is what Matthew Stafford is going to command, a former number one overall pick and Jared Goff, two first-round picks and a third-round pick, what is Deshaun Watson going to command? Well, John McClain out of Houston, who's covered the NFL for over 40 years, had the info. He says this, the Rams-Lions trade will have nothing to do with the Watson trade if the Texans do it. They'll want two ones, two twos, two young defensive starters at the least. Deshaun Watson, who's 25 and under contract, is a great great quarterback, a team leader, beloved by fans, and a pillar of the community. They should start with the Jets. I don't know why you'd start with two number ones. I mean, RG3 got three number ones, right? So That's a good point. I, I, w- I was thinking four number ones and a number two and players. I If I were Nick Casario, especially with all the grief that you've already taken. If I'm that organization, I've got to get an incredible haul. And I don't think two number ones and two number twos, heck, the Goff and Wentz deals were comparable to that. So I think Houston has to get way more than that. I think they need to start with four number ones, maybe even ask for five, and then get the defensive starters too. Gosh, that's such a hard deal to execute because while Deshaun Watson is great, you're you're betting on your future. You are saying he is going to be that great that I'm giving up four, potentially five number one, number one picks, but first round picks. If you're any other team in the league, you have to look at your last five rounders and say, what would I rather have, Deshaun Watson or those last five first rounders? You better, Especially if you're a good team. You better really trust your scouting department to hit in those other rounds then too. Yeah, definitely. But... He can win games. Well, you hope he can win games for you. But he's the he's the best guy that's going to be available this offseason. True. You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, one more note about this, Randy. A lot of teams were calling on Matthew Stafford. A lot of teams were interested in him. And he allegedly told the Lions, you can send me anywhere except one place, New England. Why would he say that? Well, a lot of people were maybe looking at the roster, saying there might not be enough talent for him to win there. And then they were going through all the names involved in New England and the organization, and they circled one. Oh, Matt Patricia. That's right. Uh. Matt Patricia. Things must have been pretty bad for Stafford in Detroit under the Matt Patricia era for him to say, I will go anywhere in the league except for New England. How the mighty have fallen in a hurry, huh? Wow. And I would think that Brady probably talked to a lot of players as he walked out the door there, too, especially a lot of quarterbacks and said, look, it's just not fun. It's you you have a chance to win if you're really, really good. But they didn't give me any weapons. Look at what they became. Look at what the Patriots are right now. I don't blame Stafford for saying that. Yeah. If you could have a little bit of fun and hopefully win. 
seems like a better destination because if I'm looking at Matt Patricia and that wasn't a good fit for me, I don't want to go there. And then if I'm looking at the team and I don't know if they're in a position to even really win their division, I don't know if I want to go there. And I'm going to have to do the do your job thing all right. the time. Nah, doesn't seem like a great landing spot for him. No, I, I think that he made a smart move. By the way, it strikes me because people are talking about how the Niners were interested in Stafford. If you're the Niners, based on where you are and where you expect to be, would you would you give up four number ones for Deshaun? Because you've got a good young nucleus yeah. and you think you're going to be good for a while with picks in the 20s. And if you really think everyone's coming back healthy and Jimmy Garoppolo is the one question mark or the one thing that could potentially be holding us back mm-hmm. from getting there, if you, you have to have a real honesty check with yourself, some real self-awareness about where your team is. And if you really think Deshaun can get you over the hump and get you a Super Bowl in the next three years, then yeah, I'd do it. I would too. And but you, you got to be honest with yourself though. Right. But you look at what they have already and they're one team that seems to be a quarterback away. They've got running backs. They've got receivers. They've got a really good offensive line. Obviously they need to resign Trent Williams. They've got a really good defense. Bosa, Thomas, all those guys have to come back. Warner is a really good linebacker. I think I would do that if I were them. Be interesting. Thank you, Michelle. You're welcome, Randy. Coming up, we're going to head back to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Joe Buck will join us to talk about Nolan Arenado next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> A great sports weekend in St. Louis. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. We go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And it was, uh, I, I know, an exciting weekend for Joe Buck because he's a huge blues fan and he's a big fan of Nolan Arenado. Now the Cardinals are going to get him. Joe, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys this morning? No complaints at all. And uh, we, we've talked about Nolan Arenado a lot over the last year, ever since he kind of became connected to the Cardinals. First of all, when you, you saw the news from Ken Rosenthal on, on Friday morning and then the, the official, not official, but the, the word that the deal was done on Friday night, how, how do you react? I was shocked uh, for about 10 reasons. I, I won't name them all, but I, I think the main one is that the Cardinals seem to have really uh, perfected the art of tire kicking over the years and, and never being able to really, or be willing to pull the trigger, whether it's with free agents coming in just under the, the number that got somebody signed somewhere else, or, you know, making this deal for Arenado. I, I remember when this was talked about, I guess last year uh, I texted Nolan. I had gotten his number on a, from a project that I was working on uh, with major league baseball and said, you're going to love it in St. Louis. He said, I just want to win. And uh, that, that was basically the extent of our text exchange. And then it just sat there. And now here it is. I, this is one of the better deals that the Cardinals have ever done um and i think very in a very short while whenever this thing is is finalized and he becomes a cardinal officially he's gonna love being in that uniform and being in the city and i think the city will eat him up and they finally have the, the cardinals finally have somebody they can put on a billboard that represents the present and the future not the past and and i think that's the exciting part for the organization so yeah, how many teams have to be 
kicking themselves going unless unless the opt-out scares everybody but there are teams out there with money there are also teams out there that i think are really struggling after 2020 and having no fans but but how many teams are thinking for for a truckload of middling prospects and one of those players may end up being a gold glove player or a 10-time all-star who knows but as it sits now if if i if i had that kind of of uh, a payload and i was willing to take on the remainder of Nolan's contract minus $50 million, how many teams would have signed up for that? I, I think it would be more than one. And it's the Cardinals that made the deal. So they get the credit, and uh, hopefully it goes through and, and he becomes a Cardinal. Joe, we were kind of down on the Cardinals and the Cardinals front office heading into this season because the team seemed to be pretty stagnant. The offense wasn't productive. And then you had former Cardinals like a Luke Voigt or a Randy Rosarena, the list goes on, that were having success elsewhere. But seemingly this trade, at least locally, has shifted our perception of the front office and of the Cardinals as a whole. What was the perception of the Cardinals nationally before the trade and what is it now after the trade? Well, I think the national perception it kind of mirrored what, what the local perception was, that, that the Cardinals really weren't willing to jump into that big free agent pool, the, you know, the guys that, that signed the crazy contracts, and, and maybe for good reason. I mean, it's easy for, for all of us to spend somebody else's money. But I think when you look at the TV deal that, that they signed uh, and you look at the kind of fan support they get, they should be one of the teams that is in on the right player as opposed to saying, well, we just don't do that. Uh, that, that just didn't seem to fit. So I, I think the national perception was, was getting to what the local perception um, had been over the past few years. I think there's been frustration and rightly so, but you know, with, with one uh, you know, stroke of a pen, I guess they, they kind of undo a lot of that. And again, I mean, they, they are getting, one of the best people that I've met in pro sports in a long time. And when I read Matt holiday and his comments saying that he's never been, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but he's never been around somebody that's more into baseball than Nolan Arenado. I, I, I just, I smiled because that's how I look at him. He's just one of those gym rat kind of guys that just can't get enough and wants, wants to be great. And, and I, what he can do at third base in some ways has never been done. And we've had the pleasure of watching Scott Rowland and, and some of the greats come through here as visiting players. But I, I think night in and night out, people are going to really appreciate what this guy does on a consistent basis, both defensively and offensively. And Joe, this doesn't put the Cardinals in the class, I don't think, of the Dodgers or the Padres. But how many times have we seen the Cardinals go into the postseason as a prohibitive underdog, but then the randomness of the postseason takes over? I, I think that what Arenado does is gives them that opportunity to take advantage of the randomness of the postseason. I, I don't think that last Thursday they could have beaten the Dodgers or the Padres in a postseason series. I think with this guy, they're capable of it. As long as Flaherty takes the next step mm-hmm. uh, and becomes a dominant ace, as long as you know Wainwright still has something left, and, and kind of these middle rotation guys improve. If they don't, I mean, when they they went up against Washington a couple of years ago, and they're throwing that kind of pitching at you, uh, it, it, it you know that that team was built to win, and they won, and and they spend a lot of money, and they've done it again. 
Um, but it's based around their pitching where night in and night out. The other way is you have to win the games that your number one guy goes. And if you don't, you have no chance. And, and I know there is randomness involved and I agree with you that they're in a better position, but uh, I, I think there's still more opportunity out there. The Cardinals are willing to go there with the, the depressed market sitting where it is. And again, you know, you're spending other people's money. Uh, but it is fans' money too, and I think there's opportunity there in deals to be made if you're willing to kind of suffer the immediate uh, economic tightness for what you could have going forward. There are young players, young pitching, whatever, that's out there that that I think you can get at, at a relatively low price compared to other years. It's early for the Blues. How are you feeling about what you've seen so far? <laughs> Man, uh, I, I, you're better at this stuff than I am. But as far as a finisher and a young player, I, I just don't see anybody uh, that the Blues have had that reminds me much of Cairo. Um, I, I mean, there's just that knack for getting the puck in the back of the net. And it seems like you're either born with it at that level or you're not. And he was born with it. And, and so now, you know, yeah, he's playing the full game and he's worried about checking and, and that will benefit his scoring too. But I, I think top to bottom, Shen looks fantastic. I mean, you really haven't had Hoffman chip in, uh, you know, O'Reilly is, is seems to be back to where he was uh, just grinding it out. I, I love that team. And, you know, I was exciting. I was excited when they got, Hoffman, I'm more excited now when you see the, the dynamic ability of Jordan Cairo, who, uh, man, he, he's one of those guys that when his shift is, is on the ice, you don't want to look away. And that's, that's what you've always pined for, too, is for the Blues to develop that guy. Because in our time, you know, Wayne Babbitt's a really long time ago, but it's been a long time since the Blues have developed a sniper. Yeah, I mean, I, and and... I, that's why it stands out so much. I mean, I, I get it. You, the Barubi and the, the style and the grinding and let's, you know, we're going to get our offense out of great defense, but there, there's just nothing that compares to somebody who can skate through people and, you know, hit a corner, go over the shoulder of a goaltender in lightning fast hands. I, I just, Again, I I defer to you on on, Babbage is the guy. I mean, that's a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So uh, if if that's the case, then what we're seeing is somebody pretty darn special. And and I'd love to see Thomas, who's got unbelievable hands as well, um, you know, get there as well, because his his skill level seems to be off the charts and is to keep the puck stuck to his stick. And, uh, you know, if, if he can get that scoring touch going, Man, they they look really, really good. Joe, while we have you, we certainly want to ask you about the Super Bowl, a dream matchup. You have Tom Brady, the GOAT, going against the kid, and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Early look, who do you like in the Super Bowl? Tampa Bay. Um, I know they're the underdog, but – and I – that comes with this disclaimer that I always get sucked in by – the team that I see most recently, and I haven't seen Kansas City in a while. I I did them in the Super Bowl last year. I know how great Andy Reid is, how great Patrick Mahomes is. Kind of like Arenado in that he, he's just a superstar athlete who says and does all the right things. 
that that that's what Patrick Mahomes is. So I get it. I get how dynamic they are. But I I think defensively, Tampa Bay being undersold. I think the injuries at tackle are going to hurt Kansas City. I'm not sure how good Mahomes is moving around with the toe injury, and it's hard to bet against Brady. His his receivers take Antonio Brown out of it, but their core guys are as healthy as they've been. Uh, they've got two good tight ends. They've got two really good running backs now with Fournette doing what he's doing. I, I just I think Tampa Bay is going to be hard to beat, which means if you're out there listening to this, bet the farm on Kansas City. <laughs> but, Joe, I remember we were texting the weekend that uh, Seattle beat up on Denver, and that was the year that Manning had thrown the 55 touchdown passes. And I, I think you texted me on Friday after you talked to the guys and said Seattle's going to win this game. Attitude and just the feeling, the swagger has so much to do once you get to this point. And I see that, and I think it's because of Brady. I see that with the Buccaneers. I think that they have a lot of swagger heading into this. Though they do. And it starts with their head coach. Todd Bowles is a phenomenal, phenomenal coach. And and I think you could you could pin a lot of success on what he's done with that defense. He's He's kind of a really shy guy when you talk to him. Uh, but but I, I think he – I know he struggled as head coach with the Jets, but who hasn't? I mean, I, I think that guy is, is legit big-time head coach material, and I'm not alone in that. Uh, but I, I – their swagger starts with Arians, goes through the GOAT, and, uh, and has permeated that whole team. So – but their swagger on the other side. That's why this, that's why this game is so exciting – as we sit here days away from it because you've got swagger versus swagger, the young guy coming up who, who's already won a Super Bowl against the I, – I don't even know how to describe him. He's 43, and, and I would swear to you, I did them in the Super Bowl, the first Super Bowl I did, which was Super Bowl 39. We all have been watching highlights of all these Super Bowls. You see them against the Rams in 01 at the end of the 01 season. I, he does not look any different. I mean, it's it's remarkable what he's been able to do and how dedicated he is to being great. Um, I, I know we got to go, or you, I know you probably have commercials, but I got texted by Brian Anderson from TNT and, and the Brewers, and, and he's done these match these matches on uh, you know whoever carries him. Uh, with you know Brady played and Manning and whatever he said that at at the match last whatever it was March or May mm-hmm. Brady is in the parking lot running sprints beforehand <laughs> and Barkley yells out at him hey what the hell are you doing and he said I'm trying to win a Super Bowl wow and this that 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 is not BS that is the guy and so for him to be here at this age, doing what he's doing is not a fluke. This is how he is programmed, and uh, I just—it's really hard for me to to think he's not going to win this game yeah, somehow, he, someway. He's unbelievable. Hey, one quick thing: when you aren't doing a Super Bowl these days in a non-COVID year, are you a Super Bowl party guy? Do you sit at home and watch it? Do you watch as a fan? Are you analytic? How do you how do you watch a Super Bowl when you aren't doing it? It's hard to watch a Super Bowl when you're not doing it because I feel like, you know, our year started with Brady and Breeze and we just did Brady against Rodgers. And, you know, you want to see it through. Uh, and, and then you, you, have com- you have a competitive nature, I think, if yeah, all of us do. Uh, so you, you want to be the one doing it. Yet here we are in a pandemic. 
So it's going to be odd, but there's still going to be 30% capacity, whatever the number is. And it's still a Super Bowl, so you want to be doing it. And am I a Super Bowl party guy? I, I would rather really sit down and watch the game. I, I'm, and I feel like it's Super Bowl parties, and, and I know this when I'm doing one. Nobody's really paying that much attention. I mean, certainly some are at these parties. But for the most part, they want to watch the commercials, they want to drink, and they want to eat. And, and that's just not me. So I would rather just sit down in a quiet room, watch the game, and then emerge. But as you know, I have two-and-a-half-year-old twins. The game's at 5.30. They don't go to bed until 7.30 or 8. So I, the chances of me watching the Super Bowl are low. <laughs> It may be the part of the second half, maybe the middle of the third quarter on, right? Oh, my God. When they go down, it's just going to be – I've got a lot of catching up to do. And uh, I, But I've, it's impossible to – that's the beauty of sports. It, it's TiVo-proof. So it's not like – or whatever. It's, it's recorder-proof. So I'm not going to go back and go, oh, don't tell me, don't tell me. It's going to be all over my phone. So I, I'll just pick it up where, whenever they go to bed and see where we are and watch it to the end. Hey, Joe, we know you're getting a million calls to do this this week on uh, Radio Hits, so appreciate you taking the time with us. Thanks so much. Of course. For you guys, anything. You're the man. Have a great one. See you later. All right. See you. Take care. That's Joe Buck on 101 ESPN. Arenado, best guy-player combination in sports. That's what we've heard from every guest we've had today. Yeah. So, good to hear. They got a good one. Yeah. Uh, Dan McLaughlin is going to come in and join us for the crossover. We've got uh, scoops with Danny Mac and BK coming up at the top of the hour on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. with Danny Mack and BK coming up at the top of the hour here on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin, the voice of the Cardinals on FS Midwest. Our teammate is here in studio, and we haven't heard from you yet about this deal. So we want to know what you think about it. I thought you guys were going to ask me about the Blues. Blues hockey. I'm excited about the Blues, man. I was going to ask you about the Stafford golf deal. (laughs) I was so into that one. So into that one. First person I thought of, Dan, when I saw that one, Michelle. You know, it's exciting. It's it's great. Uh, We were waiting for the club to do something, and I've been telling you guys. I, you know, I'm Mr. Homer, as you guys know. You, you know, you, you were yelling at me for a Rosarena, and then you were yelling at me. We went through the trades of who won, lost on those. What was it, nine to three in favor of the other team? Yeah, nine two and one. Nine two yeah, and one. Nine yeah. two and one. Does this level the playing field a little bit? This is a pretty good one. Yeah. If it happens, nine three and one. It, nine three and one. Okay. Getting well, closer. It's Getting a, closer. it's a little bit better than that one. Um, if it goes down, and if they get the fifty million involved in this, holy smokes, it's a. Uh, it's a heist, in my yeah. opinion. It's it's it'll go down as one of at least currently constructed is one of the great deals. Now you let it play out, you know, you, you see how it all goes down. But if it happens, it's it's one hell of a deal if they get Nolan Arenado for this with no top prospects. They throw in fifty million. He waves the no trade and he becomes a cardinal. It's an unbelievable deal for the St. Louis Cardinals. There's no other way to put it. You just reminded me of, of something, and I don't know if this deal was the same. But I remember when the Cardinals gave Albert Pujols the big contract. Remember, that was right after the Yankees had acquired A-Rod. And I asked Walt Jockety, I said, did, did what the Yankees, because 
they got a bunch of money from Texas with A-Rod. What the Yankees gave A-Rod for an AAV give you the idea of what Albert's number should be at the time? He said, absolutely. That's how we reached our conclusion. And you just brought up George Springer's contract, who's two years older. I wonder what the comp was for them. I wonder where the Cardinals decided that 150 over six was a good number for Arenado. I don't know. I guess you have to look at it. I just started looking at comps, and I came up with this. It was George Springer's two years older, so he signed uh, this, what, 10 days ago, mm-hmm. I guess it is. So it's basically the George Springer deal. Um, basically, it's the same length, and Arenado is a better player. He's a better defender. He's a middle-of-the-lineup guy, and he's two years younger. That's what you got. And it's at, incredible. At the end of the contract, Springer's probably not going to be playing center field. I would Arenado agree. should still be playing third. And who knows, maybe still playing at elite level. Um, I, I was telling you guys this off the air, I and I've said this with BK. I've said this to anybody that wants to listen. Um, outside of Scott Rowland, I, I've not seen a better third baseman in person. Now, I've only seen him play in person, you know, the six or seven times that the Cardinals face him. But every time that the Cardinals would face him, he would do something that would catch your breath. And I always say that he is worth the price of admission. There's only a handful of guys that I say I would pay top dollar to go watch that guy play baseball. Mike Trout is one of them. I love defense because I grew up watching Ozzy. Ozzy was one of those guys. Nolan Arenado is one of those players. And I was telling both you guys that he made a play that's still the best play I've seen, I think, at New Bush Stadium by a third baseman uh, not named Scott Rowland, where it's if anybody grew up watching Terry Pendleton or if you watched him, he was the best at his back to the infield and in foul territory, mm-hmm. making that catch over the shoulder. Nolan made a play um, where he went down, and if you can vision Bush Stadium now, where this, the, the seats kind of jet out and you have that really short, maybe two, three, four feet of foul territory, he was all the way down there in left field and made an over-the-shoulder catch, running full speed, and then as he was going, spun and threw back to the infield, and it was unbelievable. Like, you don't use that term a lot. I, we always go, that was, unbel- that was unbelievable. <laughs> it was an incredible play. And just uh, and now you get a middle, we don't even talk about this, but a middle-of-the-order bat, which the Cardinals desperately needed. Um, we always mention his defense, but, man, they met, they needed a middle-of-the-order bat, a transition-type offensive bat and they get that so it lengthens their lineup it changes the trajectory of their season potentially so it's great it's uh it's exciting if you're a baseball fan and there's a guy that's around there every day i'm i'm so excited about what's happening for the fan base of the cardinals us too i think it's a good reminder too for the fans that we felt a little disenfranchised with the team because of a stagnant offseason. They go out and do this. And not only do they acquire a guy like Nolan Arenado, this is somebody that wants to come to St. Louis because they're constantly contending. Paul Goldschmidt, same thing. I want to come to St. Louis because they always win. They're always in the hunt. And I think that's important for us to realize, too, is sometimes we might get down on the team, but that's not the way that players view St. Louis. They want to come here because of the team. And I think this sounds really homerish, but... It's a lot of it is due to when you're playing on a Tuesday night and it's the middle of July and it's 100 degrees out and you've got 40,000 fans against the Marlins. And I, I do talk and this no disrespect against the Marlins, but they're not a preeminent team. And just pick a lesser team that you have in baseball. 
And pirates, <laughs> pirates, especially this year. Um, and the, the the players talk about it. It's like, wow, this is pretty, this is pretty neat. Yeah. You know, you go out there and there's forty thousand people that are there, um, and they love it. They love being a part of a place that cares about baseball and understands what the history is about. We always talk about that, but even the now, you know, the place is packed and it's it's a special place to be. It's just different, and fans. Uh, give that to the players, and the players appreciate that. I don't think the greater majority of them take it for granted. I really don't, and they they appreciate what it means to to wear that uniform and have fans there every single night. It's a big deal. You have an interview with Larry Walker up at Scoops right now, and I remember before he came here how he would come out and just look around. Yep, look at the whole because that was the old ballpark, and he just look around at all the people in the stands. It was almost like disbelief. He he told me, um, well, he always tells the story about getting a standing O when he struck out mm-hmm. in his first at bat. He got a standing ovation when he first got introduced. Then he strikes out, gets a standing ovation. He said, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and then he always said, he said, I, I always felt bad that I never could put up the kind of numbers that I used to because he played really hurt that people have no mm-hmm. idea. He was on uh, the trainer's table for hours just to be able to play every single night. Like a lot of people don't know how bad his back was. And I always appreciated that about Larry. And I, I'm so excited for him to go to the hall of fame. He's one of my all time favorites in a short time. I got to know him really well and then stayed in touch and he's just a great dude, but he appreciated the fact that they appreciated him. And so he said, man, I, I wish the fans could have seen me at my best. Cause if they would have seen me at my best, they really would have loved me. <laughs> but um, he said, but just the, they just appreciated baseball and guys that went out there and played hard. And, and I tried to give them everything I had, and that's the way it went. We're looking forward to your show. I guess we'll talk a little <laughs> Nolan Arenado. Yeah, why not? I want to find out for sure if, if and when this deal happens. And I would assume with all the reports that are coming out that it's just red mm-hmm. tape at this point and going through the Players Association and Major League Baseball finalizing it and the money that needs to get finalized on this deal that uh, it's going to to happen but Arenado Arenado great question I've heard Arenado we're gonna have to get the official word I've heard Arenado too so uh, I went and asked him one time and I can't remember what he said (laughs) I should remember that well you're gonna have to get it right for sure I I am gonna have to get it right you have to get it right I have to get it right yep I remember talking to him and he uh, I did ask him about St. Louis one time and he said this place is pretty neat I, I do remember wow. that. So I always bring that up when he would come to the plate. He'd say, this place is really cool. <laughs> and then people that know him well, he always had great reverence for playing in St. Louis. So looks like he's going to have a chance to do it all the time, which is going to be pretty cool. Looking forward to it. Yep. Looking forward to your show. Thanks to Emily Butcher. Great job this morning. Thank you. And Michelle, did you have any fun at all? Just a little, Randy. Just a little. (laughs) We appreciate all of your texts. We appreciate your mic drops. We appreciate you tuning in. And for all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. 
and Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.